Welcome back to Judging Book Covers Podcast, your bi-weekly book club podcast focused on helping guests clear out their TBR list. I'm Megan Griffin, and as always, I am joined by Stephanie Cortez. How you doing, Stephanie? Pretty good. Glad I finally finished this gigantic book that I did not <laughs> expect to be so big. I was trying to decide if this book or if the other Bolin Girl was more... So I was trying to decide if this was the biggest, but then I was like, we did read the other Boleyn Girl. Yeah, but I liked that one. And I, <laughs> I mean, yes, that one was actually really good. <laughs> but that because I was like, Pet Cemetery was not this long because I was surprised. Pet Cemetery wasn't it? Pet, really? Wait. No, because yours was like 300 pages yeah. and like Chris's and mine were like just over yeah. 500. But it was shocking. Chris's favorite thing, though, is that he picked up this book from the library for me and he picked up a Stephen King novel at the same time and this one was longer than the Stephen King novel and I was like this is not fair <laughs> I am shocked I'm shocked that he could pick that up because I think it just came out last week I don't even know and that this stupid is. book was longer it's The Outsider yes that sounds right I literally only know because I've been trying to decide if I want to read it or not and decide if 2018 Stephen King is good gotcha. but uh we did read a book suggested by a guest this week, and our guest is L. Riccardi. So what book did you suggest this week? I suggested The Host by Stephanie Meyer <laughs> for a host of reasons. And pray tell, what are those host of reasons? Okay, so I read this book when I was 20, <laughs> and I, I had this weird realization, which is I feel like when I was 20 was not very long ago, but I'm realizing it was six years ago. And actually, less time passed between when I read Twilight, my 11th grade year of high school, <laughs> and when I read this book. So I feel like when I read this book when I was 20, I thought it was not really good, but I felt like it was good because I just finished Twilight <laughs> only three years ago. Okay. I think I'm understanding this train of thought. And I feel like, you know, when you've, like, eaten, like, kind of shitty food for a few weeks, and then you just have, like, even just, like, a base vegetable, like, lettuce, you're suddenly like, this is great. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> so, and and upon rereading it, there's still a lot that I like in it, weirdly enough. It's not the story or the characters. <laughs> um <laughs> unique aspects but I think it's worth addressing that uh Stephanie Meyer wrote a book that wasn't about Twilight and it wasn't about vampires and had some interesting ideas she just didn't really go anywhere with in my opinion yeah yeah when we got to the end and I was like oh I really like this interaction with the other group like once we stopped focusing on romance I was like I'm sold and it was like this is the end of the book I was like of course it fucking is Well, the book takes detours from romance that I think are the most interesting parts of the book. Like, when the the romance guys, the guys that are there for the romance are, like, not there, that's the part of the book that I like the most. Fair. Yep. Fair. Yeah. What'd you think, Stephanie? I, so, I went into this, I was annoyed at the, the length of it, only because I had so much going on before recording today with my friend's wedding and being out of town and trying to finish that cross-stitch project. <laughs> Which um, you did. I did. At 1.30 a.m. the morning of the wedding, I finished it. <laughs> I ran into some issues. Like, Thursday night, my wrist, when I went to bed at, like, 1 in the morning after cross-stitching for a while, when I was, like, getting ready for bed, brushing my teeth, I was like, oh, my wrist hurts when I rotate it like this. Uh-oh. Oh, shit. Oh. That delayed things. But it got done. So, I'm. there are parts of it I'm not super happy with, like, with the certain colors. But whatever. 
Um, so I also have not read Twilight. I kind of hate on Twilight <laughs> a little bit, even ha- even though have I have, I have not read it. So <laughs> I was trying to go into this not hating it just because she also wrote Twilight. So I was trying to have an open mind. <laughs> so they're like the concept I like, but as soon as we'll get to it, but as soon as Ian starts being nice to her, I was like, oh, oh, I see where this is going because we got to have a love triangle. <laughs> Love quadrangle. Like a square, I don't even know. Strange love triangle, yes. So I, there are parts of it that I, I think I, because I like the concept, but I agree. I was very interested as soon as they ran into that other group, but there was like two pages left. So it's like, yeah. oh, all right. Yeah. <laughs> what about you? What'd you think? Um, yeah, the, it's been a year of me just being like, I don't know, maybe I no longer like YA and it's very frustrating because God bless. I love YA. And this reminded me of the things I don't like about YA, but also like kind of gave me a newfound respect for Stephanie Myers. This book came out 10 years ago this month. So like, yeah, happy anniversary. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was I don't know, a kind of like a nice reminder of the YA as it is now roots, but also I hate love triangles so much. (laughs) (laughs) So it's really interesting that you immediately brought up the YA because here's the funny thing about the host. It was not marketed as YA and it was not published as a YA novel. (laughs) It was published as an adult novel by, I think it was Random House has like an adult sci-fi imprint and this was the book that they published. So what I love about this, I don't know how much you guys use Goodreads, but I follow a bunch of authors that I really like. They're actually really active on Goodreads. One of which is the late Lois Duncan, who I adored. Um, who passed away in uh, 2016. So it's a little weird sometimes to be like, oh, that's right. I still follow her on Goodreads. She read this book (laughs) almost 10 years ago because she wanted to see the author who wrote Hunger Games do an adult novel and see how it goes. (laughs) And like that is almost her entire review. And she more or less enjoyed it, but then it's like, I was sadly disappointed with how her sequels went in the Hunger Games, so I'm really sad to see that there might be sequels for this. And everybody's like, no, Lois, no. She didn't write oh, Hunger no. Games. <laughs> so so we, we do have to talk about the sequel for oh a second like okay. the, to the host, because... So the host is as it stands right now, and for the past 10 years, a standalone novel. It was turned into a movie, which got taken off of Netflix after being on for three months, which tells you how good it is. Damn it, I was going to try to watch it this weekend. Me too, and then I discovered it wasn't on anymore. It got taken off. I think it only went on in, like, March. Um, So it was, like, it was a standalone novel, and she has names and outlines and parts written for two sequels. It was going to be a trilogy um, it was the the host, the seeker, and then the soul. Yes. Oh, so the last one was. But the she soul. won't. I saw those on Goodreads. She won't write them, and I have to pull up the quote here because she. It's not worth quoting. She basically says she doesn't want to have to write the sequels because it's a dangerous world, and some of her characters what? might die. Oh my god. 
and and I think it's worth getting into later once we talk about the plot and things that happen, particularly Ian and Jared, about how Stephanie Meyer talks about her characters, because sometimes I don't think that she's all there, <laughs> to be honest with you. She... I don't know that she has a good grip on reality. So I read Twilight. I read the first three right before the fourth one came out and honestly Same. loved it. And I think in part that is because it came out during a time where I was definitely in college. I Who knows what actual class, but the amount, like what I read in college, I read trash to balance out, which I've probably talked about a few times. I've read the entire True Blood series while doing Eastern European literature because that's the only way you balance out and don't go crazy. But sorry, 20th century. So we're talking like during the Holocaust. I read a lot of Holocaust literature. So I love the Twilight series. By the time the fourth one came out, I had, I don't remember what year it came out. It was either getting close to graduating or had just graduated and was like, I picked up that fourth book and I put it down so many times and was like, what is this? So I've hated on her. I've taken a recent turn in the past few years because like Twilight really did bring not an entire generation, but a lot of people into reading um, along with Harry Potter, of course. And I think we are finally getting out of paranormal romance. It's, it's always going to be a thing, but I think it's no longer a dominant thing, which is nice. So like, mm-hmm. I almost feel protective of her and her insanity because she seems really nice. After like so many young adult authors that actually legit seem, um, I don't want to say crazy or unstable, but just mean. We'll go with mean. You know, they've, they're, the, the selection series, that author went after people that gave her bad reviews. And oh. Cassandra Clare, I've heard many stories about how she's not the nicest person. And it's just like one after another. And all these people who benefited from Stephanie Meyer's writing shit on her and I'm just like like E.L. Exactly like of all people E.L. James should just be like sending Stephanie Myers a check. Yes. Yeah honestly. So based on how little danger there really is in Twilight and kind of in this book I'm not surprised that she wants to keep these characters safe. I am now curious mm-hmm. how the chemist goes and if they're going to change that for the TV series that's coming out. Yeah. So that's a long winded way of saying, like, I think she's cool. (laughs) I think she's a little bit of a nutter, but I think she's cool. I have this, like, super duper soft spot for Twilight and the Twilight movies and the Twilight genre. Like, I read them as a teenager and then I immediately hated them because the movies were bad. And I spent most of, like, late high school, early college, just, like, shitting on them and talking about how crappy they were, and I could say it from a first-hand perspective because I read all four of them, and can confirm the last book is one hot, smelly mess. (laughs) (laughs) But I still have this, like, soft spot for them. They were one of the first things that I, like, liked ironically, and then it kind of, like, I I always joke with people that I I kept seeing all the Twilight movies ironically, and then one day I was like, oh no, I actually (laughs) enjoy this. I'm like, so when, by the time the last movie came out, I was, like, fully on board. I saw it with my friend Zach in theaters, and we spent the entire time, like, <laughs> freaking out over all this stuff <laughs> happening. 
And it was the same thing that happened eventually with like Fifty Shades of Grey, where I started because off. of you. Now I think I actually like the Fifty Shades of Grey movies because <laughs> oh, you, you let like me like kind of like them without judging at all. So <laughs> that's my problem: is I, I consume a lot of garbage because I just go into everything assuming that if I like it, ironically, I'll accidentally fall in <laughs> love with it. So, so this book is kind of like that for me. It's definitely, like, very escapist. Like, rereading it, I was going through, like, a rough time, like, a month and a half ago when I started reading it, and it was like, this is such a nice escape to go and live in this weird, (laughs) semi-violent, but mostly just, like, quiet world. This is kind of cool. Yeah. Yeah. And I appreciate Stephanie Meyer for creating that nice, safe, (laughs) soft world where I never have to worry about anything. So did you read this when it came out initially? I read it in 2012, so about four years after it came out, right before the movie came okay. out. I read it the summer before the movie because um, Max Irons and Shirsha Ronan were slated to star, gotcha. and I just really think Max Irons, like, re- rewatching like, clips of the movie, like, a month ago, I was like, oh, God, he's so hot in this movie. <laughs> okay, we'll see. <laughs> yeah. Oh. My husband had actually asked, you've like, never... Huh? Oh, sorry. Go ahead. I was just saying, my husband asked, like, "Oh, so you guys should, are you guys gonna watch the movie and do like a bonus episode?" It's like I don't know, and then I forgot to if check and see streaming, if it was on Netflix, but I guess it's not. So, yeah, it's also Amazon. it's for it's for rent on Amazon because I assumed it was on Amazon. Um, yeah, it's like yeah. a dollar. So maybe we should. Look, I did it's read fun. the wiki page and I saw um, some of the, the differences. <laughs> Oh God! Yeah, there's some. They, they yeah. make some decisions. Maybe yeah. not and, having the girls be, you know, borderline legal and not legal. Oh my God! <laughs> oh my God! That was something I totally forgot about. <laughs> and when I got to that scene, should we like yeah. talk about the plot? And, like <laughs> yes. actually, what happens in this book <laughs> before we get into the yeah. squeaky stuff? Because there's a lot of squeak in this book. <laughs> so, yeah, there really is. So the overall arching plot is that their Earth is now inhabited by an alien species whose name we actually don't get, but they call themselves souls, which they don't on every planet, so it's taken a human word. But anyways, they um, enter human bodies, and their whole point in their mind is to keep the dominant species from destroying planets. So they are a parasitic, peaceful uh, society. They're like, um, they're physically, they're supposed to look kind of like silvery centipedes. Yes. And they like sort of attach, they've, they've colonized other planets. And their idea is they, they colonize and then they they sort of think of themselves as improving the world because they're such a harmonious and cooperative species that's really really into like collectivism right Right. and that they really did Um, a good thing for earth because humans were just so incredibly violent that things are on earth are just better now even though they erased almost everybody we are terrible so you know but it it's an interesting take on that whole invasion of the body snatchers though and that they're not just taking over they're also deeply affected mm-hmm. by their hosts and they're not really ready for humans because she talks a lot about the other aliens that she's been and i think that's like some of my favorite stuff Same. in the book but humans are so vital and emotional that like 
people have a really hard, or like the hosts have a, or the souls within the hosts have a really, really hard time. Even if they've already taken over the consciousness, they have a hard time fighting like the physical urges of like a mm-hmm. married couple. Yeah. They, t- they tend to stay with whoever the human right. was with before they took over. Right. Um, the book opens with the, with uh, our human character, Melanie Strider, um, who is trying to infiltrate and ends up getting caught after trying to commit suicide. And our main character, uh, who goes by Wanderer, um, ends up getting put inside of Melanie's body. And so she is called Wanderer because this is her ninth planet. Yep. Yep. Um, most people do two or three, or most souls do two right. or three. Um, most, like, it's rare for anybody to do more than five. She's done nine. And they want her... I, I'm actually a little, like, they put her in for a reason. I guess because she committed suicide, like, they figured she's the only one that can kind of tone down the brain assimilate yeah. yeah um so and then but she doesn't because melanie is still alive and the obnoxious kind of dual well it's not a dual narrative but man i had a little bit of trouble telling who was talking sometimes um so melanie was essentially part of a resistance not that there was like a formal one or anything but this colonization had been going on for at least six years um they're unclear on that it doesn't the timeline doesn't totally make sense no i mean the six i'm only getting because of sunny um Mm. potentially could have Mm. been longer than that but it's at least been six years um and most of the world at this point is colonized um they start with people that are voluntary and kind of make their way in taking over everybody. Um, and One of the things they, they kind of go into is that, like, if when humans didn't know what was happening, it was easier to, like, insert the host. They put the host in through, like, a hole in the back of the neck so yeah. they can get in your nervous system. And when a human didn't know what was happening, it was easy for the host to take over and, like, own that consciousness. But once humans figured it out, it became more difficult. Right. Yes. Which, so... We're not the only difficult species to be colonized. They do make that a good point, which is good because at some points this felt a little like humans are so amazing <laughs> because we are so complex. And I was like, okay, we got a lot going on, but we are not the only complex creatures in this yeah. universe. Um, so it was really cool when she talks about the world with seaweeds and how the North side yeah. basically yeah. killed itself killed because itself. they didn't want to be um, infected. Colonized. Colonized. That works. Um, And it is interesting what they do. So money is no longer a thing. They now, basically, you can go into any store and get what you want. Because this alien species is nice. Like, annoyingly nice. So nobody really takes more than what they deserve. They, you work to kind of earn what you deserve. There's even a part where they talk about like sporting events on TV and like during a basketball game, they're like not fighting, but like cordially disagreeing over who last touched the ball and whose ball it actually is. 
But in the fashion of like, no, 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 it's your turn. Right. It's your turn. <laughs> no, no, I insist it's your turn. <laughs> That's like one of my favorite little details is um, there's there's humans who resist the colonization. Melanie's one yes. of them. And she and the people she travels with, which are part of the plot, but we'll talk about that, um, are like watching a sports game. And they're like, oh, this fucking sucks. <laughs> Nobody is being competitive exactly. at all. And it's. The Olympics is going on, and everybody gets nothing good no, is happening. And everybody gets a medal, and I was just like, "This is this is fun." Um, this is the liberal agenda. <laughs> yes, exactly. From maybe like twenty, thirty years ago, because do we still give out medals to everybody? Can we afford to do that? Anyways, I mean, that sounds like a massive natural resource track. <laughs> yeah. Those things are real gold. They are real gold. That's why I've kept every single one of them. <laughs> um, so Melanie has been um, running, being on the run, resisting, however you want to call it, with her brother Jamie. Who? So Melanie is 17 when she initially gets put, when Wander, Wanderer gets put into her head. No, she's 17 when right. she meets Jamie. Okay. She's 21. Okay. I was, yeah, I was like, wait, I know this is a little yeah. weird. Trust me, I remember yes, that I, age. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's right. Okay, so she is 17 when she meets Jamie. She's 21. Yeah. Jared. Damn it, Jared. <laughs> Why they're two J names, I don't know, but whatever. Um, that explains why it's not YA, because she's 21. For whatever reason, in my mind, I was like, she's 17. Why isn't this YA? I kind of thought of it the same way, too. But we we basically get that story through flashbacks, right. though. That's like, true. Yeah. Wanderer is adjusting to her new body. Um, one of the coolest details that they never talk about again is they talk about how she's never had a smell sense oh, before. Yeah. That was such... And they never touch on it again. I'm like, that's, like, a really cool thing. I don't know how I would get used to smelling if I never had before. Yeah. But... It was briefly mentioned again at the end when she was talking about old but familiar smells and, like, my dog was basically sitting on me, like, on right here. And I was like, how do you smell pup? <laughs> and he did not appreciate that. Um, but, yeah, so they also – so when they put the soul in, the soul – it basically – yeah, you're right. It goes into the nerve system. Basically, it sits on the brain and the nerve system and – they the first thing they get is the memory of how the body either died or their last memory got caught volunteered whatever so wanderer gets to relive melanie jumping down in an elevator shaft and which is yeah and this is also one of the last or one of the remaining few adult bodies Mm -hmm. um they're mostly doing kids now, in part because I think there's just not a lot of adults left that they can find, and because it's actually difficult. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, so she, so Melanie has been on the run with her brother Jamie, who is 14. So he was 11 when the, the main callback that we're going to talk about in a second, right. I'm guessing, happened. He's the worst. I hate <laughs> Anyways. <laughs> I didn't, but I found him a little too touchy-feely. Like. Okay, good. Because, real quick, so, like, one of the cruxes of the story is that Melanie is, like, a mother to her younger brother. Mm -hmm. 
I found their relationship so uncomfortable and weird, but I'm an only child, <laughs> so maybe I just don't get how siblings work. Like, <sighs> I see my two youngest brothers, like, almost as, like, my pseudo-kids. We're all not that touchy-feely. But then again, we also haven't been ripped apart for a while by an alien race, you know, yeah. and stuff, so... Maybe, be but different. you don't spoon your younger brothers no. to bed all the oh my time. God, that's, Absolutely yeah. not. <laughs> he can't sleep unless he's like nestled on your chest. That's a weird thing that goes on in this book. Yeah. All I can think about because you've got a brother that's roughly fourteen, right? Yep. He'll be fourteen in August. Okay, yeah, mine just turned fourteen, and like, yeah, when he was under the age of ten, he would curl up in my lap, and you know, like we'd watch movies, play with his hair, kind mm-hmm. of thing he wasn't feeling well he'd get in my lap kind of thing my brother's probably five or six inches taller than me now and so yeah (laughs) all I can think of was like I can see him still giving a hug occasionally because like when I go to visit he'll still do that Mm -hmm. and surprise me and make me tear up because it's like oh maybe that like super sweet touchy-feely kid is still in you but it's so rare yeah (laughs) I'm just like no, I don't. This is because it was like every time they were in a room together. Every single like, time. And his arms yes. went around my waist, and I was like, "Like there is one one oh, time where weird. she's so weird. She's in a room, and he calls out like, can I come in?' And she says, "Of course.' And he goes in, and she, it's something like, "I had my hand stretched out to him before he even got in.' I was like, "But why? Why exactly? Like, <laughs> this is your little brother." Yeah. But he's also, like, he's also, like, struggling against being her little brother. Like, part of, like, Jamie's plot is, like, I'm a man now because I'm 14, but I still need to sleep directly next to my big sister. Yeah. yeah. So we should probably, we should probably get to how... No, I'm all fine with the way we're going that. because... Yeah. Okay. So basically, Wanderer is having a hard time getting Melanie to assimilate, and there's this seeker who's essentially the soul police... Which sounds way cooler than what it is. It so is. Like, um, so like they're, they're they should be badass. Basically, what you they do, the whole reason that they put Wanderer into this adult body, even though they've mostly been doing kids, is because they think that Melanie might have ties to like a larger resistance, and they want to search her memories. Mm-hmm. But Melanie immediately is like, uh, uh-uh, uh, no, these are my memories. You can't have them. But slowly, Wanda starts to get some, specifically through dreams, specifically memories of Melanie's boyfriend slash father figure jared jared and um then these memories of her crazy uncle jeb who might have like a hideaway somewhere so melanie kind of hijacks her own body by distracting wanderer with feelings of lust that she's never felt before and goes out into the desert and finds this enclave of humans Yeah. yeah Wild humans, as they're called. Wild humans, yes. Yeah, let's... The the soul police sounded so much cooler. Yeah, it did. The seekers. But basically, like... Because... Looking for... Like, because this alien race, they get along so well. Um, They do have weapons, but it's only the seekers that that carry guns, and it's when they're really looking for the humans. Um, But there's this one part, a little bit later, where... The Seekers are looking for Wanderer, can't find her, and they decide, okay, we're going to give up. And only one is close to being upset or seeming upset, since they usually don't seem upset. Um, 
So they should be super badass, but they're kind of not because this whole race is very, very trusting. And it's uh, almost like a it should be a hive mind, but it's not. A right. Hive mind. Right. And it's um, it's interesting, though, because one of the things that like Wanderer immediately notices is that Wanderer has been like a ton of different species, but she notices that humans seem to have an interesting effect on the souls and that the seeker is the first like soul she's met that's super fucking unpleasant yes. yeah yeah so and we actually never even learn the seeker's name yes, every other it um lacy no that's the person no that's name. her yeah. oh you're talking name. about the okay yeah. no she only the goes soul by seeker, yes. yeah it's weird because every other soul has like like the doctor that brings her like that like wakes her up in mm. melanie's body is named ford's right. deep waters <laughs> or like there's and they all have these like weird pseudo native american names I mean, yeah like that's all i could think of was like this sounds like what they teach you in like elementary school like this is how all native american names sound that's how it felt yeah yeah and so when she except some of them kept their human right names. which i can understand because it's a hell of a lot shorter Yep. Yeah. Um, so she goes, and that's why, despite the many, many names that our main character has had, she goes by Wanderer. Very fitting. Um, yes. And sure enough, she wanders yeah. out into the <laughs> desert with. Yeah, there's a. At least it's. No, I was gonna say, there's a long, like, wait, this book is 620 pages, and there was no less than eight times that I went, oh, I must be almost done, and went, oh, shit, I haven't even had nope. the halfway point half the time. And the first, like, hundred pages are about, like, Wonder Living and is it San Diego? Hmm. And yeah what she does as an alien and part of me was like okay this is cool she teaches history kind of as a guest lecturer because um, she's visited the most amount of planets and that's and then she goes and visits her comforter or her therapist basically therapist and comforter. <laughs> james of everything this stupid book um <sighs> Who basically is like, maybe you should try another host body, which is, there's nothing really bad to the, the souls, but like, that's kind of a big negative is to try another host before your host actually dies. Yeah. Like to, what do they call it? Skipping, Skipping. or jumping? Yep. Yeah. And she's um, like, I'm no quitter. I'm not doing that. <laughs> yes. She's lived all of her other lives to the end, basically. So she's gonna, she's determined to make this one work. Um, so she decides to go to visit the the guy who puts um, her and Melanie. Yeah, the original healer that she worked with, I guess you could say. Right. Um, and this whole time, the seeker has been badgering her to find out more about right, where the humans right. are. So she's just generally stressed out. Right. So she's got something fighting with her in her head constantly. And then she has an outside force pretty much fighting with her constantly. I can understand being a little stressed out. Yep. And uh, we find out the Seeker is actually really young. This is her first body. Um, there's a moment where she talks about how um, they might take Wanderer out and put the Seeker in, um, 
which seemed really weird and made a lot of sense later when we find out that her own body is still very much alive. Right. And I think her own, yeah, the consciousness that was inside yeah. of her, her host, said, yeah. um, Lacey, is still present the same way Melanie is still present for right. longer. Um, and because of that, like, and it's been three years that she's had, that she's been inside this body. So she seems really cocky, but then later it's like, oh, okay, this makes sense. Nice job, Stephanie Myers, for wrapping that up. Yeah. Like, mm-hmm. you know. Um, one of the other things that they kind of, like, touch on a little bit is that Wanda, Wanderer, sorry, the humans nickname her yes. Wanda yes. later, which I think is so stupid, but I can't help <laughs> but call her that. Wanderer is also kind of struggling in that she's never, like, had these feelings before that Melanie still has, and she's kind of absorbing all of the, like, love and longing she has for Jared, who was her traveling companion who kind of saved her and her younger brother, and Jamie, who she kind of also, because she's experiencing the same physical things that Melanie did, now loves him like a son and loves Jared as a woman loves a man, (laughs) I guess. guess that's a way to put it. a way to put it. Um, I believe the term that we've all been using is the thirst. The thirst, God. Real. It's so bad. So much of it. I'm going to make my joke that I made earlier before we were recording, which is that she takes that metaphysical thirst and turns it into real thirst by walking into the (laughs) desert with a six-pack of water bottles and a box of cliff bars. Yeah, like she chugs down, basically, too, and doesn't ration... Listen, yeah, because Melanie's telling no. her you're going too fast. <laughs> yeah, there's no rationing. She fi- no. she finishes what three and a half bottles in like the first day. Yeah, like which a is understandable. Half. It's like, um, yeah, I get that you were so. You, neither of you have watched the movie. No, no. I've not watched the movie. In the movie, she walks into the fucking desert with like a kind bar and like one of those little like kids oh lunchbox water oh, bottles, no. and they have Shersha Ronan the way that they like in the film. So in the book, when you're reading, Melanie's in italics, and at least in the Kindle edition, it was like it was all serif font, but her flashbacks were mm-hmm. in sans serif, so like you could kind of tell what was going on. In the movie, they do voiceovers, and to differentiate Shersha Ronan's voices from the oh, person no. who's speaking as Wanderer and the person who's speaking as Melanie, Melanie has a real hard sub- Southern Louisiana oh, no. accent. Oh. And so, and Wanderer speaks like this all of the time. So while they, while they're in the they're in oh, the fucking God. desert, she has like half of one of these little like lunchbox water bottles, and they're like, "You better save that, Wanderer. You're gonna want it later." <laughs> I now understand why this has an eight percent on Rotten yes, Tomatoes. Oh, yeah, my god! Right before we started recording, it's like, oh, okay. <laughs> oh, Shersha, what are you doing? Oh dear. Her American accent's really good, though. It's just her Southern accent that's really bad. the The other thing we haven't mentioned is that they the humans can tell when they've been colonized, oh, yeah. infected, whatever, because the lights. Their, their eyes reflect lights. Um, it re- and they have a little scar on the yes. back of their neck from where the, um, the thing was put in. Which, we're talking about Jamie reminded me because they meet and he's got a scar on the back of his neck, self-inflicted. Right. Um, and he's like, Jared. Yes, Jared. Jared, Jared not Jamie, oh my Jared. god, I'm going to keep doing that. 
Oh, we need to talk about the big thing with like so so when Melanie met Jared, she was seventeen and Jared mm-hmm. was twenty six. <laughs> and they meet because she is broken into a house to steal food yes. for Jamie. And Jared just fucking straight up kisses That's her. That's what I was about to say. Is that, like, Jared, like, looks into her eyes and then, like, straight up kisses her. It's her first kiss ever. And I went, oh, no. Yeah. But she, like, punched him, doesn't she? She, like, hits she him with something? Him, Probably. Because she does get away from him and run. That's right. That's right. She doesn't believe that he right. is uh, human at first. But I mean, Because he does have the scar on the back of his neck. Like, I get being very excited to see another human being... I don't understand how I would then turn that excitement into I'm going to force you to make out with me real quick. That's not okay. <laughs> you fucking it's asshole. It's not okay. And I feel like it... Tw- but then they fall in no, love. It still doesn't make it okay. <laughs> I feel like dudes, theoretically, should have their hormones in some serious check. By age 26? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Now, granted... I did see recently, and by recently it was in like December or January, someone talking about how a 29-year-old man was 29 and thus maybe was still maturing. And I went, oh, fucking Christ, this is our world. So. Oh, God. So, you know, whatever. Um, This is a very interesting book to read through 2018 eyes. Yeah. Yeah. Because I think all of this behavior would have been viewed as kind of romantic back in the era when, like, everything yes. was about Twilight. So in 2000, I kept thinking, in 2008, one, which team would I have been on? And two, <laughs> would I have found either of these relationships exciting or, like, an option, I guess? Because in 2018, I think it no. says a <laughs> A lot about the progression of this book that we've been talking for about 45 minutes about it. We haven't even gotten to the main action no, of the plot. Because, in all honesty, like the main action can be summed up very quickly. She goes to, she finds her crazy uncle. That's what she thinks of him. Yep. He, who yeah. I love. Jeb's uh, pretty great. Another right. J name. Jeb is the best part of the book. <laughs> yes, another fucking J name. Um, she finds his secret rescue place, which. Which is so fucking cool. I'm sorry. No, that was like my favorite. It really part of the book. is. It's a really cool place that like first of all, he finds her as she's almost dying. Because she drank all the water. Because she, <laughs> she drank all the goddamn water. They found more water and Twinkies yep. and she still drank yep. and ate all of it Learn before they were rationing. Done. Like the other thing is yes. she has access to most some of Melanie's other memories. Remember how hard it was for Melanie when she was scavenging? Like learn from that or just listen to her because she's yeah. trying to tell you to stop chugging all of the water. You're going to want that later, Wanderer. (laughs) Sorry. They end up catching her, and it doesn't quite make sense as to why they keep her alive or why Jeb decides to keep her alive. I at no point said, Bixby, thank you very much. Um, Thanks, phone. Anyways. I think they kind of explain that, though, which is that Jeb is like, on one hand, he's like. It's his niece? So the, the humans, yeah. The humans have an interesting relationship with um, people that have been taken. They have a doctor who's been attempting to figure out how to take hosts out of humans. So they bring humans back sometimes, and it goes real bad every time because they're aliens. Um, But they bring Melanie back to let Jared decide what to do with her because, as we've discovered, Jared has a real intense heteronormative ownership complex over his 10 years younger girlfriend. Let's talk about that for a minute because the number of times that it was said, like, this is my person, this is my body, and I was like, oh no. Right. Especially after they learn 
that Melanie is still alive and inside, and that it's two people fighting it right. out in that body occasionally, and they still are like, it's my body. And right. I was like, no. No. Actually, at no. that point, he says the, it, the body and the mind stuck inside it or trapped inside it, is, they're, they're both minds. So now he's taking ownership of two things. Yes. <laughs> like, that body and the girl inside belong belongs to me. me. And I had to put the book down yeah. for a few minutes. And was yeah, like, that was super. Yeah. That was squeaky item number yeah. one. On a long yeah, list. there's... No. That was actually yeah, like number was... five because we'd already had the scene where Jared and Melanie have been together for a bit and he finds this trailer that his dad built in the middle of fucking nowhere and they're living in it together. And she's like, when you touch me, I don't want you to stop. And oh, he's God. like, I'm 26 and you're 17. Yeah. Yeah. So I was like, Slow your roll. I don't have any condoms. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, at least that part was kind of smart. But then I just yeah. backed up to, but why? Well, it's Stephanie why Meyer. Have to, why can't she also be 25? She wants to be younger. Can she just be 25? Thanks. Like, can we just? Well, then it would be even weirder that her, like, 17-year-old brother was sleeping with his head in her. <laughs> yeah, let's make, let's make Jared 17. <laughs> let's make Jared just, like, a, a cool 23, and then it's less exactly. weird. I don't understand this age gap. I'm now really curious yeah. how old is Ian? her and her husband. Hmm? I don't remember how old Ian is. I don't know how old Ian is supposed to be. He's mid-twenties, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, they don't really specify. No, but we can get to the later, the yeah. the, the new host body later. Yeah. But, um, yeah, the whole, I mean, I get it. I have dated someone with that not much of an age gap, but later in my 20s, not at 17. Right. Like, yeah. there's no issues with the age gap from the standpoint of, some people do that. Some people have larger age gaps. There's really no problem with that. Once you are both old enough consenting adults who understand that right. your body is just not made of hormones and you're not the last fucking people in the world. And maybe that's part of the attraction, but no, 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 no. This is Stephanie Myers. They are one true loves. He even says, I wouldn't trade having the whole world back if it meant I wouldn't get to have you. That's such cheesy <laughs> bullshit. <laughs> but you know there's this is the thing about stephanie Meyer's novels is they're written in first person mm-hmm. so in the same way that like the hunger games had a really profound effect on me i'm really susceptible to first person books and narratives because i generally am someone who gets very like sunken into a book when i'm into it and if it's first person i very much like slip into that and stephanie meyer is so good if she is talented at anything it is writing a character that is so featureless that you can become (laughs) them no matter who you are that's really what her and i think i think it's a respectable talent it's an excellent marketing play um so when I'm reading these, like, talking about them out of context, I'm like, man, that's so fucking weird that he said that. But at the moment, I was like, she's really capturing this, like, nervous butterfly feeling, like, so she well. Did. She did. Yeah. It's good. I mean, it took Twilight four books before they have sex. So, like, I was not expecting sex, even though at one point I really thought that we were, I was like, oh, there better oh, not be no. a rape scene coming. I got very but... nervous about that. I got very <laughs> nervous about consensual sex that would end up with this body being pregnant and then they're yes. going to take her out and it's going to be mad. It's going to be a mess. Because <laughs> they bring that up like immediately. Yeah. There's a lot of things in here that any other author, I would have probably been like, I don't know if I can do this period, but knowing <laughs> Stephanie Myers and like 
the Twilight series doesn't have a lot of major problems. Like, to the point that they've created an entire scene for the last movie that's not really in the book. Because there's literally no action in this stupid book. There's no conflict. So, like, even though a part of me was like, oh god, are we going to do a rape scene? Part of me was also like, if she pulls out a rape scene, I'm really going to be shocked. So. Yeah, the conflict in this book is resolved kind of halfway through it. So the, the first conflict is she comes to this, like, human enclave. Jeb is like, Jared and Jamie get to decide what to do with her. They don't really decide, and Jamie's, like, immediately like, it's my big sister slash mother figure, I don't know what to do. So he immediately likes Wanderer, and Jeb is really interested in who the aliens are, so he kind of decides to keep her around. And then all of the people that want to kill her, namely Kyle, Mm -hmm. who's essentially Emmett, (laughs) racist. He's Emmett Cullen, but racist. And Ian, who's essentially Jasper Cullen, but different and then okay jared who's edward cullen <laughs> sure <laughs> um all three of them go off on a raid to get supplies for all the humans so we get this like i think it's like my favorite sequence in the book it's like the middle 200 pages where she's just like living in this cave system with all these humans they make up all of these sort of nameless npc oh characters God. that the list... are wandering around spitting out oblivion style like and there's like a list Random of people. Of She's like, I learned everybody's name. Right. There's Paige and Lily and right. someone and someone and so. And I was like, no, no. Why does this keep going? Yeah. To the point that later, someone named Wes dies, and I was like, okay, who Who's the fuck is Wes? <laughs> like, I he was the one with cancer. No, no, no. Nope, that, that was Walter. <laughs> Walter. Oh, Wes shit. is the one that she plays soccer with <laughs> that Lily ends up yes. dating a He's little a bit. Little and younger. if they had not had that right. soccer scene, I would have been like, I don't fucking know yeah. who Wes is at all. I actually forgot who he was. That's... I forgot about the soccer thing, but I remembered he was with Lily because Lily, I think she was a little bit older than him. And there was a brief yes. conversation about that. that. And then when he died and Lily was upset, I was like, oh, right. That's, yeah. Yeah. Um, but I like that part, so, too. I did... I did also, I liked that Jeb had that plan. I thought that, I kind of got the feeling from the beginning with Jeb that he knew that Melanie was somehow still in there just because of how she responded when he first found her near death in the desert. Um, Mm -hmm. So his plan, which worked, was to basically just once, once the the people were gone on the raid, including Jared, to just kind of have her come work. She's going to come eat, just like parade her through and get people used to it. And then he stopped carrying his gun and people started saying hi to her. Ian was still there. He didn't go on the raid. Um, mm-hmm. And him and... And he starts which, to like yep. Wanderer. <laughs> Not, Not Melanie. Melanie. Well, it's a very important distinction to me. <laughs> yes. Um, and... Well, you know he's deep because he likes for her for she personality. Is. Well, part of the who words she is. that come out of her mouth, not the mouth that says them, <laughs> not, not the not face, the body. It's the expressions <laughs> on the face. God, he's such a deep, enlightened yep. woke bay. Although he was he also a dick the shit out of in certain certain ways that I was like, okay, if I had to yeah. pick a team, I'm on Ian's team. Because, yes. like, there's something to be said for, like, Jared is super yes. ownershipy. Ian has his moments, like, there's a moment at the end oh, where I'm like, all right, yeah. Ian, slow your pull. But for the most part, Ian is pretty res- 
respectful and rational. Yeah. yeah. He tries to point out, yes, Melanie is stuck in there, but at the same time, this is Wanderer is still a being too, or a person he refers to as a person. Right. Like she's a person too. Does she not also deserve a life to have a life and be happy and be seen, you know, for who exactly. She is. And and Jared's just like, nah. And I think that he's he's like one of the best characters in the book, yeah. though, as a result. Like he's he and Jeb are really the two yeah. that I'm like, no, and, and I actually think Wanderer's kind of a good character. Wanderer is a little too self-deprecating for me. Oh, my God. She like, cried so fucking it, much. She does. <gasps> and the amount of, like, I get it. They're passive race. She doesn't want to make waves ever or anything like that. And it gets obnoxious yes. at times. Her lack of self-preservation yes. and the way that, like, there's so much violence committed against her. And yet she does yes. nothing. Like, Jared, Ian, and Kyle beat yes. the yes. shit and out Kyle of her. Yes, Kyle to kill her. And Jared only yes. stops them because they're at the beginning because they're trying to decide what to do with her. She throws herself in front of Jared to protect him from Kyle hitting him, but she gets tossed about all crazy. This is after Jared first, you know, hits her the first time he sees her, which I kind of was like, all right, I guess if I saw my partner coming back and I assumed it was just an alien that killed him and took over his body, I might hit it too. (laughs) And was also here to capture me and all of my exactly. Right. I might be have a little rage. (laughs) Yeah, I don't fault them for what they do because at first no at first at all um because almost any other author this book would have been told from probably their point of view and it would have been that they were entirely the good guy and ian apologizes almost immediately like within the first day yeah Um, he yeah i can't remember exactly what it is that gets him to realize it um there's a part two where He's talking to Jared. She's in her hole. It's like a little hole. Um, he's talking to. <laughs> they put yeah, her in a hole. No bedroll. Like, Jared decided she did not deserve, or it did not deserve a bedroll, so she didn't even get that. Um, but Jared is, or Ian is telling Jared that the Seekers were clearly looking for her, couldn't find her, right. and gave up. Um, and she made a sound about the Seeker who was upset that they were giving up the search, and he's like, "Look at her. She's she's." clearly terrified of this person like he's picking up on okay yes it's an alien but she has emotions like she has feelings and he recognizes that he's empathetic just like Jasper <laughs> <from> <laughs> and Jared's really good at reading people oh. just like Edward from Twilight and Kyle Ian's older brother is really good at punching people just like Emmett from so Twilight so that makes Jamie Alice Yep. Mm -hmm. And I guess the... Jeb is Carlisle. And I guess the aunt and cousin who, like, never come around are almost Rosalie, but Rosalie does eventually come around. Rosalie and Charlie. Sure. (laughs) Charlie's the dad. He's the best character. (laughs) He really is. And it's only because of who he's played by in the movie, who I cannot remember off the top of my head, but... Sorry, I just punched my (laughs) my thing. Getting excited about mustache dad. (laughs) He is, oh shit, who is he played by? It's Bill, oh fuck, I gotta look it up now. Uh, I'm blanking on it too. I cannot help with Because this. <laughs> he brought such like an ironic humor to it. It was, it made everybody, like, Charlie became everybody's favorite character based on this. 
No, I can't. You guys haven't seen the last one, have I've you? I've seen all of Twilight. Okay, the scene where Tyler Taylor Lautner as Jacob shows up and he's like, look, Mr. Swan, the world that you think you live in isn't the world you think you live in. And then he, like, gets naked. What? <laughs> what kind of I forgot about that. Face? I forgot about so that. He's like, what the fuck is happening? And then he, later on, he's like, Bella, you're you, but you're not you. I just saw, saw a boy that I know my whole life turn into a wolf. It's like, same, dude. We all felt that. Oh, what is, I can't, uh, this is going to bother me if I don't find it. And I also don't understand why it's not like one of the first people on the Wikipedia page. You didn't just like, first of all, why Billy Burke, because I already had Wikipedia. <laughs> yes. Billy Burke. I was going to say Billy Crudup, but no. <laughs> Billy Burke, who was perfect as the dad in Twilight, the best part of the movie. Just in the same way that, I know you guys haven't watched it yet, but in the host, William Hurt plays Jeb, (laughs) and because that so informed my, like, as soon as you see him in the movie, you're gonna be like, oh, I know exactly who this dude is. He's so good as Jeb that it's just like, like, it makes, it changes the way you see the character in the book. You're just like, oh, I fucking love this dude. He's the best. I just like the idea that the uncle's portrayed as crazy because he's always been paranoid, always thinks someone's out to get him, the aliens are coming, whatever. And then, and then it happens. And what it happens. But it also is played that, like, not just that he was a crazy dude who got something right. He legitimately is a very intelligent, empathetic mm-hmm and open-minded person and is very like has this side of like this is my house my rules get the fuck out or get on board but also manipulative enough in the situations to like get everybody to like wanda so i found jeb one really well-rounded and two the best character yes he's really intuitive about people um, and the doctor. I also like the doctor. Yeah. But yeah, doc is cool too. So, so yeah, there's not really outside of Jeb, Jared, Jamie, Ian, Kyle, and doc. There's not a lot of people to talk about. Like there's a ton of people, yeah. but they're not worth mentioning. Um, there is her cousin or Melanie's cousin. Sharon is there, which is the whole reason. And her, and aunt. her aunts, which is the whole reason that Melanie ended up getting caught in the first place. She ventured to Chicago because she saw her cousin on TV. Right. And was trying to go save her. And that's how she got caught. So to find out that she's actually okay, it was kind of like, that's awesome. But her cousin's such a bitch the entire book and like never talks to her. To the point that like later it's like Sharon forgave the doc. And I was like, who the fuck is Sharon? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Sharon was like dating doc. And then as soon as doc made it clear that he actually like liked wanderer and wasn't about to just kill this girl or this being she was like man fuck my boyfriend and like moved in with her mom Mm -hmm. elsewhere and then at the end like they kind of get back together but sharon still doesn't like wanderer despite the fact that by this point wanderer is like out doing raids and getting food and medicine and also not wanting anyone back to them like she exactly definitely proved herself maybe has saved all of them several times. Oh, yeah. Just... There is a point where it's like, they just really liked conflict and that was it. And I was like, okay, yeah. I, I know those kinds of people. Yeah. Like I get that. Her and yeah. her mom so. just wanted to be angry. Yeah. Let's talk about this love triangle more. Okay. So we, the, 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 the men come back 
Oh, yeah. And after we've had this, like, awesome, like, 200-page contemplative look at, like, you, you hear about, like, what Wanda was like on her other planet. She was a essentially a plant, yeah. like a seaweed, seaweed plant. And she talks about how they all shared roots mm-hmm. and would tell stories to each other because they were one big consciousness. And she was a bear. And she talks about how there were these bear creatures that carved amazing ice mm-hmm. cities. And she was a spider, which are these hyper-intelligent, logical creatures that they use to actually develop space mm-hmm. travel. And how she's actually from the origin yes. planet, yeah. where her species is from, and it's the only place they can exist without a host. So, while they were talking about the spiders, because I think they talk about the spiders because Jeb asks, how did you infiltrate our planet? And she's like, the spiders. And I was like, the fucking spiders that, like, we all kill on a daily basis? It took me way too long to realize that, like, <laughs> the spiders were an alien creature. Because I was like, did they come in the minds of spiders Been here the whole time? Like... It took me a while to figure that out, Okay, too. that makes me feel better. I was picturing a terrible then... planet with a bunch of spiders on it. I don't like spiders. <laughs> I think that's what it was. I was we like, kind I don't of, know how they got here, but we live on that planet, Stephanie. This is the planet <laughs> yeah. with all the spiders. But the spiders had eight legs with hands, and I was like, that doesn't sound like our spiders. I think we're okay. <laughs> and twelve eyes <laughs> sounds worse. Oh. It sounds all so much yeah, worse. worse. There's also dragons that oh, yeah. spit acid. That they're the flowers. The flowers. Mm-hmm. Um. And then the yeah. fire eaters. The fire eaters, the dolphins with like several different wings or fins or whatever. Mm-hmm. They're more like dragonflies. Yeah. Um And and Stephanie Meyer, for all that, like I know she's she's not the most creative she's not like a creative genius, but I think she does an interesting job at giving you enough that you understand where Wanderer has been and how big mm-hmm. that universe that she lives in is you, you get a real sense of like all the different people she's been and how much she respects and like has absorbed those cultures into mm-hmm. herself and does a nice enough job at fleshing it out so that you, you do understand that this isn't just humans are special right. it's like no she's been all right, of these right. other there's creatures all these other right. worlds that other souls have are going to right And then I also think she does a good job at building the world in the caves. Like, Jeb kind of talks about how he fell into the caves one day, but he essentially made this, like, Mm -hmm. network of caves into a livable space. They farm in one part using a bunch of mirrors. There's an underground hot spring that they use as plumbing. It's it's really neat, actually, the world they build. It is. It's part luck, but also everybody's working hard to make sure that they're able to live. Right. Um... And despite these, like, ration runs, which were really cool, the, these, um, I just forgot, raids, I guess, or what mm-hmm. they are. Mm-hmm. The world's still going on. Like, these humans are colonized, but they're still acting like humans. So, like, grocery stores still exist. She gets the camping gear from, like, an actual camp or the yeah. hiking gear from a hiking store. You know, at one point they go to a hospital, which, like, it's changed because of how advanced the alien's medication is, but like everything's still running right. smoothly, which is a really cool twist on these raids. Cause I was really expecting kind of a walking dead kind of feel, but it's really not. Right. It's a different mentality. And the book kind of brings up some, some interesting side points, but we should get through the love triangle. Oh, I'm okay. Not talking. About the raids, I mean, like, 
<laughs> we can skip the love triangle. It's such a Both core guys part of this um, book. <laughs> it's it is. I finished this book and went, man. If she took out the love triangle, I think I would have really actually enjoyed this book. Right, you'd have like five pages left. <laughs> she spends so much time on this love triangle, where to the point where uh, like. I don't know. I've been in love. I've never been in love to the fact where, like, I absolutely need to see someone or I'm going to die. And that is the vibe. It's a very teenager kind is of very, love. Yes. Where it's like, Which I, I knew Jared was in the other room and my body yearned. And I was like, but did it? Right. Did You'll it? She's like always talking minutes. about how it's like fire oh my god yes she's like it's like fire between us like i just and and it's it's the, the it, she does something interesting with it which is that like she's talking about like melanie's body and melanie are in love right. with jared and then later on because ian has been so kind and has been like one of wanda's mm-hmm. biggest protectors wanda starts to fall for him but her body is still like entirely rejecting yeah, Ian, because Melanie and Melanie's body are so in love right. with Jared. Which is an interesting concept that they do explore. And then explore some to more. To some extent. <laughs> and then they explore it again. And again. Um, <laughs> and one final time. Yep. Um, I did find, I did kind of like, so, so at the end, you find out that Wanda knows how to take hosts or how to take souls out of hosts safely which is something the humans have been trying to figure out and she realizes that she's going to have to give the body back to melanie which is another point i want to talk about because i actually kind of love the melanie wander relationship i thought that was actually kind of sweet they sort of start off combative and then by the end they like love and appreciate and respect each other so much that wanda just decides to surrender her body and chooses to like die on earth outside of a host in order to give Melanie her life back. And it's like such a beautiful selfless act. I actually like cried a little bit. I will admit tearing up and and getting a little emotional. I do think that the Melanie Wander relationship is handled very, very well. Other than occasionally like it's very clear that either Stephanie forgot about Melanie or like (laughs) wasn't sure what to do with her. She was, she's just like, Melanie had been quiet for days and I'm like, Oh, had she now? Okay. Chilling back there. I mean, I do like that. Well, okay. By the time she's like, so she ends up going on raids because Jamie gets sick. Jamie gets stabbed in the leg and or falls on the knife and stabs himself and it gets infected. And so she ends up, she and Jared go on a raid to get medication because Jamie's going to die. And then it's kind of realized that like, oh yeah, she can go out on these raids and they do like one massive raid for for, like days. And during that time, the Seeker has actually figured out these coded message that Jeb left that Wanderer gave to the Seeker before all this happened. And I totally just, oh, so they're going to kill her because she ends up killing Wes, the character that everybody for a moment went, ooh. (laughs) <laughs> one of her best friends Wes is dead yeah, she, Anyways. Yes. never had a line of dialogue <laughs> nope. with him um, I really like the, the fact that this is such a race that like doesn't view death as an option but also by this point I'm like there's still 184 pages left in this book <laughs> and also 
really it took 500 pages for you to realize like i know how to do this and can get out of her body she knew that there was some there was i don't remember when it was but at some point in the book she she says something she says something about putting a wall between her and melanie regarding this one thing and it was like this her biggest oh i did forget about that that, and that i think it was probably when they got when they got to the to the like when jeb took them in and everything and she thought oh they're all gonna kill me um, that was when I think That's she put right. that wall down, or I guess had it up and cemented it. Um, That's right. So, I forgot about that. And she she does let it down prior to this because she talks to Jared about how she's kind of famous among her species because she saved a friend on another planet by doing an emergency like uninsertion and reinsertion right. of another. I think soul. That's when they're getting the cryo tanks because she does let that like right. when she makes the decision to do it, she lets the wall down. Melanie realizes what's what her plan is and Melanie's against it because she's like no I don't want you to die <laughs> um yeah Melanie's not a bad person which yeah. I really liked like she knew she like, could do this the whole time I actually Wanderer uh, knew she could obviously do this the whole time but even right. though she loved Jane or was feeling love you know towards Jamie and Jared she didn't I don't know. It felt like she didn't necessarily want to betray her own people right away by showing them how to do this. Right. And then with when the Seeker was caught, it was like, well, this is the only alternative to not kill the Seeker. And then hopefully actually to get that, you know, whoever was in there back and then also teach you not as an experiment kind of, but kind of an experiment to show Doc and the others how to do it so that they could do it to her. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> and then to also safely send her people right. like when we mentioned the cryo tanks it's like how they send the souls when they're not in a host right because that's her um and just making sure that they send them far enough away that it'll be like a hundred years before they can report right. anything right. that happens she made right. doc promise that she that he would not kill any of them that he would send them off world and then eventually she does tell them which planets is, or which places to send them to and which ones not to send them to because they'll be back in like 10 years um right and then she also makes him promise that he will let her die and bury her next to her friends to Wes and then Walter, the guy who was sick and, and dies. Um, and I think she also makes him promise not to tell anyone that last part about letting yeah. her die and what, what, you know, her plan yeah. with Melanie and everything. She keeps telling everybody that she's just going to go and whatever, like find a new planet. Don't worry. She'll never love anybody else. And like maybe become a mom. I think she might tell someone. I don't remember. Um, But yeah, and it's, it, I, I felt like that was, and that, that was sort of the, the clincher for me, like deciding that I really liked her and Melanie's relationship is at that point, she had done so much that she didn't have to do for the people that Melanie loved. And regardless of the reasons, it was hard for Melanie not to love and enjoy mm-hmm. her. And I think a lot of that, I think it would have been, I think Stephanie Meyer could have had a really difficult time differentiating these two characters that shared a space so like intimately but one of the things that you mentioned meg was about how she didn't really want to betray her people and i think that what's interesting about wander is she grows this respect and this love and this commitment to these humans but she still feels really strongly about her own like personal background and who she is as a soul and that sort of difference, I think, helped a lot with keeping those characters straight. Like, as much as I think you guys said you didn't like how self-deprecating and, like, self-sacrificing she was, I actually kind of liked that about her because it made sense in the context. It does, and and I liked it to an extent. It just, 600 pages of it really got old. 
that's like, that's, that's all. what it was for me. To like it made yeah. sense for the description, especially the description of the the alien race as a whole and how they were existing, like where you don't need money, you just kind of do your do for you know you do for the community and you take only what you need type of thing, and they're very trusting, so it made sense. But it it just got to be too much for me because it was a lot of crying and a lot of a lot of it yes. for me. Yes. Um. And I liked that Ian calls her, she says she's a traitor, and Ian's like, no, you're like an expatriate. Yeah. And I was like, that's actually a really cool way of looking at it. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. And her and Ian, Ian's relationship is kind of cool. Like, he, he shows, like, a lot of actual interest in right. who she's been. Yes. It's it's kind of funny because he's actually I feel like underdeveloped compared to Wanda. Like we don't no, really exactly. know anything about Ian, like how old he is I or think. where he but came I, from. We yeah. know he has a brother, but that's only because his brother is there, right? Um, and he's a villain who tries to right. kill her very violently and, yeah. still saves and gets him. caught. Which yeah, which, yeah. Let's talk about Kyle a little bit. Like, what the fuck? <laughs> so he tries to kill her. In, like, the most grotesque yes. way. Yeah. Although, but also kind of, like, to make it look like an accident at right. the same time. Like, because... Because he's the only one who hasn't come around to her. Well, in, kind of, in but yeah, others the, have come around leader of, in terms of I'm not going to outright try to kill her, but I am going to be mean and ignore her. <laughs> he's the only one that right. actually yeah. makes the attempt. Because when he's gone with Jared on that initial raid when Jeb gets everyone used to them. They come back. Jared and Kyle are the main ones who are very angry. There's some other names thrown out there that were with them that I don't remember. And I think they were angry too, <laughs> but they're not very explored. No. Um, so Jared, I think he gets, he more agrees about not killing her because Jay- he sees how attached Jamie is already. And he's very upset with Jeb for letting that happen or for making that happen almost. Um, yes. Whereas Kyle just doesn't come around um, and then tries to kill her. Like, he he bides his time. He doesn't do it right away, like, right after the raid. He waits a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And then when he sees that she's alone, he... Yeah, tries to drown and she her. she refuses, and, yeah. yeah. She refuses to turn him in. He Ugh. doesn't get kicked out of the colony because there is still enough dissatisfaction yeah. with Wanda being there, despite everything that she's done by that point. Right. So they don't kick her out. And then it's like the next scene is everybody playing soccer with him. Right. And I was like, which I get the okay. risk. There's a risk, too, if they had kicked him out, if he got kicked out and if he got caught. Yeah. And someone a, a soul mm-hmm. was put into his body, then they could absolutely lead him back. But at the same time, which they do a pretty good job yeah. of establishing, yes. But he does try to kill her, like, and even though she's not coming out and saying it, that's the other thing because this race is so trusting, they're always able to tell when she's lying. So she tries to lie and she tries to not answer questions, and Ian is his brother is right there calling her out on it and saying, no, it's clear that you're, you're lying. <laughs> that He yeah. definitely tried to kill you because why, Ian turns- why do you have broken ribs? Oh, you fell on a rock. Okay. Yeah. And Ian t- turns on his brother like real quick. Like it's yeah. not like, a, I mean, it's definitely not like a quick, like a, a, a right. gradual thing. It's just like Kyle comes back and Ian's like, fuck you blood relative. I mean, as I Kyle said, wondered- he has a crush on the worm. <laughs> <laughs> there's that but i also wonder based on their like even when everything's okay how do their relationship kind of is is like 
Are these, is this the kind of siblings that aren't close? Like, if everything had been fine and kosher and the world hadn't changed, I could see Ian being like, yeah, I have a brother that I don't ever talk to, and I'm not going to tell you his name because he's not important in my life. <laughs> so, Fair. like, knowing that those kinds of siblings, I, I was able to get on board. I never viewed it as, like, Ian did this because he's fallen in love with the worm. I just viewed it as, like, Ian doesn't want to put up with Kyle's shit, understandably. So, just because I'm I'm thinking about them now, can I can I tell you one of my favorite descriptors in the book? Yes. When Wanda first meets Kyle, she talks about how his nose is all misshapen, and she's like, "Oh, he must get punched a lot." <laughs> and then she looks at Ian, and she's like, "They look alike, but his nose isn't misshapen." Yeah. And at first, she goes, "I wonder if it's because he gets punched last." And then Melanie's like, "Or he's better." At <laughs> I was like, I think it's the latter with Ian. I think he's just better at ducking. Yes. Yeah. That's such a that's such a good description though. Like there's moments like that with Stephanie Meyer where I'm just like, you're actually like a pretty good writer sometimes. <laughs> like that's a that's a really interesting character observation. If she if this was fan fiction, she'd probably wouldn't be one of my favorite like fan fiction authors where it's just like it's fluff, it's great. I don't necessarily need anything substantial. But you throw a nice edge every time, and now I'm ready to get back to real books. So, like, <laughs> I don't know. And nowhere in that description does it talk about how old he is. Because right, I'm really curious. Still a concern, no. But especially when we get towards the end. Kyle had someone. I can't right. remember if they were actually married or not. Who was... Jody yeah. was his girlfriend. Girlfriend, okay. That gets taken. And as soon as he realizes that Wanderer has taught them how to do the oh soul God, extraction, yes. he fucks off and goes and gets her. Kyle's such a shit. Oh, we should add that. By this point, I was like, I just, go ahead. When Wanderer does not speak out against him at the tribunal, and basically everyone votes to keep him there, he does say he that he doesn't think he was wrong in trying to kill her, but because she basically spared his life, he's not going to try to do it again. Life for a life. I didn't really believe him th- until basically the book was over. <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, he didn't try to kill her again. So, yeah, just that he did agree yeah. or at least come up and say, I'm not going to try to kill you again. But, but, yeah, as soon as he realizes the potential, he just sneaks out and runs off. Yeah. And by that point, I was like, so much has gone on in this book. We are We've got to finally be close to the end. Are we really going to have like Kyle get? Turned? I was worried about that because he and went off by himself. He, I was, I was really, really concerned. But no, he comes back just fine. He went and found his girlfriend, brought her back. She's now named Sunny. For yep. she's inhabited by a soul named Sunlight, passing through the crystal spires. Yep. She lived on the bare planet, <laughs> which she could. He got her out just fine. He snuck into her room in the middle of the night and, and grabbed her and took her and she didn't put up any of a fight. She knew who he because was. her body is attracted to yeah. Kyle. Yes. And and it's like this and, and they talk about it because like it's suddenly this guy who's been like the main antagonist is suddenly the nicest guy in the entire world because he's found his girlfriend and he's even being nice to the like soul inside mm-hmm. of her and like promising that everything's going to be okay and that they're going to send her on or whatever and it's like 
you ran out of time or like really couldn't figure out how to do this without hurting anybody. Well, they, they take the soul out and then Jody never comes back. Like, it's right. not like with, um, they take the soul out of the seeker and immediately the consciousness that was in the seeker before is like, I'm back. Which, okay, I really love that. Let's go, I want to get to that in a second. Because, okay, so yeah, Jody comes out. They end up putting Sunny back in. Because Jody's right. body was going to die. Right. Because they had figured out a way to give her liquids, but they couldn't make her eat. So they put Sunny back in and it's kind of implied that like, well, she's attached to him entirely mm-hmm. because her body's in love. Um, but it's kind of implied that I guess they're a couple oh, yeah. now and it's Definitely. very strange. They're always together too. Like it's, she uh, yeah. never sees them apart <laughs> after that. Um, and he's no longer going on right. raids. And because they, she doesn't want to go outside, but at the same time, they all, people don't fully trust her still. Right. Um, which kind of makes sense since Jody's not in there, whereas at least with Wanderer, Melanie was clearly still in there. So I could, I could see that. Yeah. Right. Um, let's talk about the seeker getting, uh, getting taken out and, the fact that like our main antagonist you're almost instantly made to feel bad for mm. i guess it was a kind of a nice reminder that like the seeker are the police but they're not supposed to be bad guys yeah and her, she was she was unusually unpleasant that's something that like wanderer notes a lot is that she's never met a soul that was unpleasant and then as soon as they take the seeker that is the soul out you find out that Lacey, her host body, is actually the yes. unpleasant one. Yes. And, like, the Seeker and Lacey realized that Wanderer and Melanie were kind of going through the same issue and was trying to figure out if, like, she could get under control and how. And I can understand, like, they even say there, like, I can understand having someone super obnoxious and an asshole, like, in your ear for three years doesn't make you the brightest person or like the yeah. cheeriest person in the world but it also ties back to towards the beginning where they're like we're gonna take you out and put the seeker in and why the seeker was so cocky as to you know that she could control melanie yeah. um basically showing that there's no real antagonist in this i don't yeah because i kind of expected like a bigger final battle sort of with the seeker like because there's one point where they there's a helicopter overhead this is after the search was supposed to be over but they keep hearing a helicopter and they're worried or some people are worried that wanderer is going to try to signal that uh the seeker to let them know where she is i think this is when this is when walter is dying of possibly cancer um and oh crap i just lost my train of thought <laughs> Seeker. They're worried that uh, Wander is going to signal. The yeah. Seeker. So okay, yeah. yeah. So with the helicopter, and then the helicopter does eventually go away. But I guess I don't know. I guess I felt like oh, the helicopter. Like she's really she means, but like she's still doing this. She's still trying to find them. So I was kind of expecting like a bigger fight. Granted, there was a fight, and she did kill Wes. We don't see it. We hear, and she did shoot someone else. But he's he's okay because of the medic the medication that Wander had brought back. But I don't know. I was expecting. Yeah more like a fight an mm-hmm. escape attempt That's um about how Stephanie's <laughs> books go. even twilight the third book there's a big fight that they take bella away from okay yeah 
So you have to deal with Bella freezing between like the two dudes that she kind of loves. Yeah. And realizing, I think that's the point where she fall, realizes she's in love with Jacob. And it's like, no, but there's a really cool werewolf vampire battle going <laughs> on that like we all kind of want to see. I'd rather be seeing. Yeah. <laughs> and then the entire fourth book has like this big showdown, everybody's standing, and then like someone shares a deus ex machina literally like the textbook like definition happens there's someone that can see the future and she shows someone who can read minds the future and they went you know what we're good we're good we're not going to do this book i thought that was just the movie no that really is what happens but it's literally like alice is like let me show you but you don't see the battle it's literally like alice went let me show you and he went I can't remember who it okay. is. Argus? Argo? And he's like, you know what? Aro. We're good. We're good. We're not going to have this battle. But we are going to kill that one. Hmm. And that was it. No, that was in the third one. Anyways, the action happens a lot off screen with her books, gotcha. in other words. And there's also, yeah, after they take the Seeker out, or the, yeah, the Seeker's soul out, they do end up taking two more bodies to, to do this on. One of them, they put them both under, maybe with chloroform. So they're working on one, and then on the the other one, he wakes up, what and realizes what's happening. They they basically the aliens know how to kind of immediately commit suicide, so that you the body is also not usable. Like the every the the alien, the body, the everything is dead, and that's what that one does. So even when he wakes up, I thought, oh, maybe there's gonna be a fight now. No, because he was just like, I'm out. <laughs> Yeah. yeah, that was, it's gruesome yeah. too. They like use their little tentacles to shred yes. the brain. Yeah. That happens in this book. Yeah. So we've kind of gone over the love triangle. We've kind of gone over Jamie. Um. Right before, right before Wanda surrenders her body back to Wanda, or back to Melanie, she goes and, Ian finds out what she's going to do. Oh yeah. Here's, calls. Yeah. This is the conflict. Yes. Ian finds out. Jared's like, she's got to do it, man. Because actually, this is one of the cool things about Jared. Jared comes around to Wanda and has a lot of respect for her. But so he when also she's wants like, his girlfriend's body And his girlfriend's mind. Yeah. Like, he wants but it when all she's back. Like, I get it. <laughs> but when she's like, this is my decision and I'm doing this because I love Melanie and I love you and I love Jamie. And I want you guys to have Melanie back. He's respectful yeah. of that. Right. And he... He has a like kind of a tender moment where she's like, "Can you just pretend to love me for a minute? Because it'll make me feel great before I die." And he's like, "Yeah, I can do that for you." And it's a little weird, but I don't know. It, it made me like yeah. him a little bit more because he was nice. Yeah. But Ian finds out, and the scene is just like they're running. No, <laughs> he sees he picks her dra- up. first. He's dragging her. He picks her. her up after after calling Jared, "You ignorant swine!" He yells that. <laughs> But he, he, you're and right, he, he does have her, her up. He's, he's like dragging, dragging her, her by the first, arm. And she does talk about, her. like, her But then he realizes feeling. he's hurting her. Sure. So he, sure. I was still very picks angry because I was like, runs who told public? you that? Why is this your response? I, I could understand wanting to get away from everyone and talk to her alone and try to convince her of this. Don't grab me and drag me all throughout the goddamn caves. <laughs> and then yes. pick yes. me up and carry me past yes. people. Yeah, like... Let's talk about the most dramatic way you can right. handle this situation. And then they go to his room and he cries, yes, he but then they kiss and, and Melody goes, 
I'll step into the next room so that you can finally have a moment with Ian. Because the whole book, he's been like, Wanda, let's kiss. And yeah. then he's like, like, I'll try, I'll try to get out of here. Yeah. <laughs> um, so, and, and they, they describe it so that the whole book is like, every time she's around Jared, she's like, my skin yes. is on fire. Oh I'm burning God. with love. Oh. But then like, oh, go, she, ahead. <laughs> go ahead. Wanda talks about what it's like kissing Ian. And she's like, Melanie's body was a fog between us. But something <laughs> was moving between, beneath the surface, like molten lava <laughs> shifting the core. And I got what Stephanie Meyer was going for. Like, it was supposed to be like, this is Wanda falling in love with Ian on a metaphysical level but it was so fucking cheesy yeah there was a part earlier on before Jared starts to I think before Jared fully admits and and believes that Melanie is in there where he kisses Wanderer kind of as an experiment Uh she kisses him back it's super passionate and then all of a sudden Melanie is able to get control of the body and punches Jared in the face (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that was probably one of my favorites was imagining her punching him and then immediately grabbing her fist and like her like pulling it down because <laughs> she couldn't believe she did that when really it was Melanie. Um, and then later on, there's a point where she tells it's so when she discovers that the humans have been trying to pull the hosts out, it's because she can tell they're trying to distract her after a raid has come back. It's after actually Jamie comes back hurt. Um, so she's able to kind of lie because Mel- Melanie helps her <laughs> because she's terrible at lying. So <laughs> Melanie's like, look down when you speak. Don't look at their faces. Um, so she's able to basically get away from everyone and go to Doc because she knows something's happening down there. And when she walks in, the horror that she describes are like the hosts or the, the soul's bodies like all over the room, like all over the place, like blood, their blood, mm. you know, all over. Um, she runs away screaming, freaking out. And Ian is the one who realizes and says something to Jared. Cause Jared's like, I had the bodies covered. And he's like the wrong bodies, you idiot. Like she's not freaking out about the human bodies that you had covered. It's her people right. that she's seeing all cut up. Um, so I think that's when she screams at Melanie to go away so she can mourn. She's mourning for like three days and then realizes Jamie is sick and then realizes that she has actually not heard Melanie in a number of days and can't find her. So she runs to Ian. She's like, Ian, I need you to kiss me. (laughs) And he's like, what? Why? All right. (laughs) It does nothing. nothing. And he's like, "Okay." so she usually comes up when you're overwhelmed. Right. And he actually goes to get Jared. It's like, Jared, think of this as an experiment, which I was kind of like, Ian, I, that's kind of big of you to do this to be like yes kiss this guy really who you're was. always so overwhelmed with you know when you're so close your skin's on fire and then it does work it brings Melanie back because it's very passionate <laughs> fire <laughs> Ian is such a good dude except for that dragging part <laughs> I, it's, it's, <laughs> yeah. yeah the dragging carried the little bit of worry of like are you going to try to force her to do something before she loses a body yeah but she does it like it's it's more of a commentary on like books in general these days rather than her writing because n- at no point does Stephanie ever make it like seem this is something that's going to happen. No, but I think just, you know, I was just always worried angry. about it. <laughs> like, uh, yes. like when she's is she is she bathing when Kyle tries to kill her? Because she's alone in yes. there. She had just and at first she thinks it's Ian because they sound alike and it's not. I was very worried that somehow that's what this that was going to turn into. 
And then I was kind of, I was pretty, pretty thankful that it was really just him just trying to kill her. <laughs> I was so happy when he was just committing right. horrific That's violence fine. against just her. At least her. it wasn't just, sexual. Please, yes. <laughs> I mean, they also talk about, I think it's, it's either Doc or Jeb. It's talking about how, like, even if as humans, we've never seen genocide or anything like that. Like it, we've seen it in movies and everything and their species is so nice peaceful. and innocent and peaceful that it's like, they can't even conjure this image of genocide that she's now witnessed. Mm. So I did like that. Um, I don't remember. There's a, there's some good stuff in this book. Like I, I mentioned before that I really like the scene where, um, Wanda surrenders her body. She, she's made doc promise not to tell anybody that she's planning to give her body back. And, I'm going to pull it up just because I actually thought it was, like, a pretty well-written little passage that I liked a lot. Um, where she's, she just, like, she talks about how she's always, she's, like, sitting with her last night and she's, like, laying with Ian and they've sort of, like, just had this moment where he's, she's, like, hey... I, as Wanderer, like the worm in the back of this head, loves you, and it's really sad that I just found a partner that I'm willing to stand on Earth for, but I, I just can't, like, in good conscience stay on this Earth, or stay on this planet, and she talks about, like, looking up at the stars and how the stars always used to call to her, and then right before Doc puts her under to, like, take her out of Melanie's body... Melanie and her have this really, like, beautiful exchange where Melanie's like, I'm gonna yeah. miss you, I love you, you're my sister, and it's it's really beautiful... And she talks about how the stars no longer, like, call to her. Like, she's happy dying this way because she feels like she did something good. And the last line is she's like, as I floated off into the universe, I realized the universe wasn't black. It was brilliant, bright blue. And I just thought that was really pretty. Yeah. And then they roll it all back. Yeah. Okay, let's talk about this ending. And I, which is it a was. long ending. It's such a like there was a point in the book obviously well before this and actually it was before we found out that wanderer knew how to take the souls out um where i was like there's got to be a way i was trying to think of how this book was going to end and thinking it's gonna i guess have to be an either or you can't have both wanderer and melanie it's not fair to them to just to, for, it would not be fair for this book to end with both of them still trapped in this one body but I was thinking, since obviously at that point we didn't know that Wanderer knew how to do this, I was thinking, well, they can't really go to a facility and convince them to take the soul out so that Wanderer yeah. can be safe. It's going to have to be one or the other. Like, maybe Doc will finally do it successfully, but it's going to kill Wanderer in the process. So kind of feeling like, who should I be rooting for if I have to pick one to live? What, I, who am I supposed to be rooting for to live, <laughs> you know? So right. I thought that was kind of... Well done. Because again, they. Who did you root for? I never decided because I, I also grew to like their <laughs> relationship. Like sometimes they could like. Yeah. Because I know. Uh, so when um when they first get found and Melanie is screaming at uh Wanderer to tell her uncle who she that she's there and Wanderer arguing back, no, they're gonna think I'm a seeker that I'm lying and they're just gonna shoot me, kill us, you know, <laughs> like just the back and forth sometimes right. or. And then Melanie, you know, helping her a little bit. Like, I, I liked the, the playing soccer thing because I was clearly for Melanie, you know. Um, yes. 
And Melanie is also like such a good champion. She's like, punch yes. him in the face, yes. Wanda. <laughs> find a rock. Yeah. Like, He's an when asshole. Kyle comes in, she's like, Hit find him. a rock. <laughs> yeah, like yep. bash him in the head. They're just just like Bella, this this character is a little meek and not necessarily weak, because she's strong in other ways, I think. But she's a very I don't know how to put this. Weak, but not necessarily, like, physically weak character, almost. It's, it's, what I'm leading up to is that they find a body that I think is very appropriate for Wanderer. Like, it's almost as if it's kind of not at first, but I think that Wanderer, it, it doesn't need the physical strength and... I almost feel like Melanie is the extroverted side and Wander is the introverted side because this is the only way I can make the comparison in my mind without using the words that I'm actually looking for right now. But it's like, they put her in a younger, smaller body where it's like, she can no longer do most of the physical stuff she's been doing. She's even like, if I try to run a mile, I think I'd have to, I, I couldn't do it entirely through. And not to say that this body can't, be conditioned and everything right. like that. Like, of course, that's going to happen over time. But it's also really shy and timid, which I think is a really good fit. What I don't think is a great fit is the fact that the body is fucking sixteen. Why that's uh... necessary, author? I don't understand because you could be eighteen, nineteen, twenty, and not have great Sorry. strength. Like, you—that's totally yeah, possible. That's fine. Like, well. Yeah. They they make the point of saying that they, they try to find a body that's younger because it's less likely, like, the earlier the host or the soul mm-hmm. was put into the host, the less likely it is that, like, the consciousness stuck around. So they're trying to be ethical and find somebody that, you know, isn't going to come back, is more likely to not come back, so right. they don't have to feel so bad about putting Wanderer in her, but... 16. No. Which we find out because they go, like, they ask her, I guess, she's like, I don't really remember anything except for that my birthday is in two weeks and I'll be 18. And then then she's like, but I'm only lying because I remember the memory of Jared and Melanie. And I was like, yeah, I think I went back and reread that because I think it's Jamie is explaining how he... How, he's teasing her because he's oh like, I'm, I'm taller yes. than you. And she's like, yeah, but I'm still older by, oh, my birthday is in two weeks. And then she deliberately lies. And I was like, but why do we have to be 16 <laughs> turning 17? Why? Literally, like, <laughs> like, it could have just been, she could have said, like, I'll turn 18 in two weeks. And yeah. it would have been fine. I or I just really turned 18. We were starting down that? the path of, like, maybe Jamie is going to be attracted to Wanda mm. now that Wanda's not his sister no. especially given the age and like he got to pick the body and i get it it's gonna be it, it's weird but also i'm super creeped out about all of this like every implication that this, this... relationship with jamie is such a bad part of the book for me <laughs> like he always wants to hold her hand he always wants to be up against her and he still kind of does it now that she's wander it's like they, as a separate entity they wanted Jamie to both be like seven years old and 14 right. so that he'd have reasons to just fuck off whenever there was a romantic scene. exactly but like like they could use him for someone things. had to pick the body for this to be done 
And in keeping with the whole thing about Ian liking Wander or loving Wander for who she is and not what she looks like, he was like, I don't care. I'm staying here with her cryo tank. Like he wouldn't, he just, he would not abandon her because that's where she is. So I kind of liked that, but then was like, like maybe Melanie could have picked. I don't know. The person know. who's been That's with true. her this the whole time? Who yeah. was closest yeah. to her because she was in her mind for, I don't know, actually know how long, yeah. but a long time. <laughs> long I do enough. love that Melanie is the one who has the idea, though. Like, Wander is like, all right, I'm going to die now. And Melanie's like, yeah. no. <laughs> I do like that, yeah. yeah. This is my best friend and nobody's right. going to touch her. I'm sure her. Melanie had put up a wall and was crafting that. that the entire time before oh, yeah. Wanderer got taken out. <laughs> yeah. Which I think is is kind of great, though. Like, that's one of the things I liked about Melanie, yeah. too. Um, speaking to what you mentioned about Ian deciding to stay with her, one of my other favorite lines in the book is that, like, when she wakes up, Ian, the first thing he says to her is, like, Wanderer, I held you in my hands and you were yeah. so beautiful. And I'm like, yes. oh, I'm actually Oh, little... yeah, because I did she tear said up. something I might to be him, teared up now. Um, like, when he... <laughs> Because Melanie's the first one to pick up on Ian's feelings. Like, she says to Wander, I think he likes you too much. And she's like, get out of here. That's not, no, come on. And when she does find out, I think she says something to Ian, like, if you saw me for what I really looked like, you would think you would just squash me under your shoe. You'd think I was this gross, like, bug thing. Like You couldn't tell the difference, yeah. Yeah. So that was, like, a really beautiful thing. That Like, the fact that that was the first thing he said to her. Like, he was just, like, you were so wonderful. And I just, I thought that was actually, like, like an actual romantic thing that happened in yeah. this book. I did, not romantic, like, but I did, like, um, when she screamed, when she realizes what's happened, when they, they brought her back, she screams at Doc, like, you promised me that you were going to let me die. And he's like, yeah, knife to your throat, though, will persuade you. And Jared's like, <laughs> you knew I wasn't going to use it. <laughs> it's like, oh, God. And he's like, no, like, um, no, I didn't. Very persuasive. <laughs> no, I'm just Jared. I've committed atrocious violence throughout the rest of the story, but you knew I wasn't dangerous, right? You're our only doctor. Every like story like this needs a doctor. <laughs> My biggest thought throughout this that made, I think this is what made the romance a little too much for me, is that, so Wonder is supposed to be thousands of years old, or at least a thousand years old. But as a human who is like experiencing these emotions that she's never felt before, never this strongly. She's so immature in that sense. And I was just like, this is, she's like a child. And even like Melanie's like, you're like, it's like talking to a child. And I was like, this is why it's really weird that this is the only thing I ever had a problem with the Ian thing. Like, I get it. I get what they were playing for here, but I also was like, this is again where you've got the Jacob falling for the baby where I'm like, (laughs) not entirely on board with, I get what you're trying to do, but not on board. I I think when Melanie says something to her, like it's it's like talking to a child. I think she does say something back like, yeah, I'm like a year old because I've, you know, I've been here for not that long. So it's like, that's a good point. (laughs) Yeah. Like, I don't know. I get it. But also, did the body have to be 16? I maintain no, I know. it did not. <laughs> but one of, the, one of the interesting things they mentioned is that after she's back, they're like, everyone liked me now because I'm small yeah. and cute. Yes. Although Sharon also, is still a little cold to her, everybody but wanted not to... as cold. Like, she's coming around. Right. <laughs> but also... She's forgiven Doc. Oh, yeah. yeah. I do like that. Yeah, she stays with Doc. 
and like Ian gives her space, which I really appreciated. Yes. And then they have a cute talk where they were both like, hey, I was just giving you space because right. I didn't know how you felt. I know you were really into me when I was Melanie. And he was like, when you were Melanie, you were also really into Jared. And <laughs> then good point. they have like a cute moment, except that she's 16 and he's 20, whatever. I'm really hoping that by the time that this conversation happens, like she's actually 17. Because I'm assuming she was turning 17. She was turning 17. Okay. If, yeah. So like 17 and... A lot of states is actually the legal age of consent. I still don't agree with that because, like, your fucking hormones at 17 are very different than they are. The amount that you grow up between 17 and, like, 23 is so off the charts that it's, like, it's too young. But at least, like, I could sleep at night being like, yeah, she was 17 by that point. Like, legally in some states she can get married and be fine. Kentucky. Yes. New York, it's the state, it's the age of consent. Is so, okay, yeah, <clears throat> legally. I can't remember what it is in Georgia. I just know that like there's a lot of people that had senior boyfriends or girlfriends that it was like theoretically they could go to jail, and it was like oh, it had to be 17 because yeah, it was when everybody turned 18. I actually, um, my like first serious boyfriend at the end of high school, I was 16 and he was 18 when we started dating. Nice. So, yeah, no, I've been there. But, like, you know, like, 16 and 18, like, I was almost 17, and he had, like, just turned 18. He was so not it wasn't 28 like, years I mean, old. I graduated. <laughs> yeah. I, I graduated dating yeah. a sophomore. Like, I get it. So. It was, Same. That's, that's exactly where I was yeah. when I graduated high school. I was dating a sophomore in college. No, I was dating a sophomore in high school. Oh, so, okay. Yes, which sounds really, really terrible to my ears. <laughs> it was not that bad. <laughs> So we should probably finish talking about the host. <laughs> yeah. So we've covered the love triangle. That's most of the book. Um, we cover. I think there's. I think like one more part worth yeah. talking about, which is the very end. What's going to happen to humans and the the actual yeah. aliens? Yeah. So at the very very end, they've started doing raids again, um, and deciding the group, which is like pages of like. This person's going to be in the group, but not this person. But this person's going to be, and this one's not going to be for this reason. And I was like, for the love of God, I don't care. <laughs> yeah. Let's just go. <laughs> but when they're they're out on the raid. Yes. When they're out on the raid, something interesting happens, which is Wanda spots a family, and they're two adults that are definitely, like, have a, a oh, soul inside about that them. One. Yeah. But they have a baby that they had naturally, and Wanda's like, no, nah, no, nah, there's no soul in that kid. That right. kid's an actual human baby. And they're opting to not put a soul in it because they right. love their human and she baby. Explains that they won't which is, be forced to do that either. Yeah. Which is weird. So it's like, but I guess because these babies are being raised by a peaceful race, they don't view them as the same. Colonizers. Yeah. yeah. Fucking colonizers. Yeah. Um, but at the end of the book, they are getting ready to go back on their regular raids to get food, medicine, all that good stuff. Um, <clears throat> they have, they've, kind of come to the conclusion that they need to have either Wanda or Sunny because it's easier to get in and out of shops with someone that is actually that actually has a soul inside of them and when they get to their jeep they are confronted by guns and I was like for the love of fucking god this is the epilogue because yeah, there's like two pages this book left needs here to be done. What? is everyone just gonna get killed what <laughs> Exactly. I was like, I mean, that's a way to go right. out. It's like, yeah. and all this happens, and the seeker <laughs> the killed them. End. It's like, the Because um, earlier on their earlier raids, yeah. Jared had given her, like, 
a little poison thing so they were prepared that if they were to get caught they could just chomp down on this poison and die and not leave everyone else at risk so where do you find cyanide pills i I feel like they always come up in apocalypse but like where do i go to find them in case i need them um i don't know i don't know where i could google (laughs) i mean i'm probably going to after this because like that needs to be part of every apocalypse plan Bet you you could Amazon Prime them to your house. Probably. I could get them <laughs> along with my wig for the mermaid parade. Perfect. Um, um, but yeah, they come across more yes, humans. Who are like, no, please don't. Like, I think they probably knew what they were doing. It's like, don't go swallowing anything. He's like, look, look. And shines yeah. a light at his face to show his eyes. And then you find human. out that there are other human factions aside from them. Cool. And then you find out. They have the biggest faction, first of all. Aside yes. from their, like, yeah, they, they uh, Melanie and Wanderers group has the biggest one. And the people they've run into. There's yeah, like 35. The people they've run into have like 22. They have 37. But then there's three other ones that have 11, 7, and 18. Um, that they trade with them sometimes. And, you know, I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Like, there had to be other survivors yeah. out there. Um, but then you do get to see... I, I did like this part, how it was, like, the leader of this group. I don't remember his name, but he's like, okay, now this is the part that people usually get upset about. But we would really like for you to not try to kill our friend here, but we do have to tell you something. And it was basically that one of their friends was a soul. And the soul, I think his name was Nate. He's like, don't worry, can't you see? They have one of their own who's gone native. <laughs> so it's like, Aw. I did like the gone yeah. native. Yeah, and it's funny. One of the things that they mentioned is so they – I wish they'd spent more time talking about the fire planet because yeah. there's this planet that some of the souls inhabit that's mm-hmm. really violent and fiery. And so, and you can tell based on the names that different yeah. souls have where they've been. So like the body that they, that they used to, um, that Wanda ended up taking over was named Petals to the Moon. And she was on this like flower planet and she's like really sweet and nice. So this other soul that they meet is it's Burns something, but they call him Burns. So he's from the fire planet, and she remembered, like, Wanda remembers being like, that's really weird that you're super violent and into colonizing, but you're, like, chill with the humans now. (laughs) And then they they say, like, the the big line, which is he's like, it's a strange world, isn't it? And Wanda's, like, the strangest. And they say that, like, four times in the movie. Oh, God. (laughs) Do they really? Oh, my God. Like, like, like un... Like, totally unprovoked. (laughs) Like, there's a part where it starts raining, and it's, it's, like, in the weird, like, epilogue of the movie and emily browning plays um wanda's like new body mm-hmm. and it just starts raining and God, and like ian goes it's a strange world isn't it like ian you've lived here for like <laughs> right. 20 something years <laughs> you should be ready for the rain at this point i did look to see who played wanda too because I realized that they were going that way around the time that, like, the Seeker. It's like, for the love of God, don't put her in the Seeker body. Don't do this oh, to yeah. Lily. Oh, yeah. I was worried about that. Watch her boyfriend die. Yeah. And then, like, don't put her in that body. And then, like, the next person they bring in is, like, a 40-something-year-old woman. And I was like, well, that would be kind of a cool twist. But I went to look and I was like, well, it's Emily Browning. Either they changed it in the movie or they're going to go find someone young. But, yeah. Literally none of the character descriptions, with the exception of Jeb and Jamie, match the actors they hired in this movie at all. That's because there's so little. Melanie's supposed to have, like, long, super dark hair. Shersha Ronan's, like, kind of a redhead in it. Um, Wanderer 2 is supposed to be, like, blonde 
and like Emily Browning has like super dark brown hair and like kind of scary blue eyes in it. Also, the scene where they run into the humans in the movie is so much worse. They're like doing a raid and they're in a car and the cops pull them over. But then you find out the cops are these other humans and all of the humans put their sunglasses on and it's nighttime. And they're just supposed to have been, they were like pretending to be souls who were just casually driving at night with their sunglasses on. That's not how you And like the first thing one of the like other humans says is he's like, it's a little bright out tonight, sir. Huh. That's just terrible. I cannot wait to watch like, this movie. I liked the way it was done so in the bad. book. They were going back to their like stash before heading off, I think. And the the other human said that they found it and they were waiting around for them. It's like, okay. And also, I'm glad that you didn't just try to steal it. Yeah, that is yeah. really nice. It does, I guess, show that they're wearing off on them. I don't know. But also that humans are a little bit more elevated. Yeah, I think that they saw the benefit of, instead of just stealing all this stuff, let's find more factions to to, um, trade with and just be in touch with. I think the implication is that ultimately the souls are going to realize they're going to have to like at least yeah. cohab with the humans, if not abandon it. Especially right. since they, they have that thing where it's like this, this right. couple had this baby and they're like, we love right. our baby. Right. So the fun thing about Stephanie Myers is that she really was like all about playlists with her books. She did this with Twilight too. I don't know <laughs> if it's the same thing that uh, Elle's about to share with us. But if you do go to her website, she does have a playlist for every book. But even better, when you read the book, oh, what happens? So on the Kindle edition, occasionally I found that... So I found the playlist at the back of the book with, like, notes on where it was first. But then I noticed that as I was reading sometimes, there would be a section where there was a... Sorry, I'm just going to go to the end so I can, like, click the links. Basically, it looked like a link within the actual text, and I would click it, and it would bring me to the back of the book where she had her annotated playlist. So, the number one is called Soul Meets, is, is for Soul Meets Body by Death Cab for Cutie. And it's about how, it's, it's literally, like, the most, like, surface reading of that <laughs> song where she's like, ah, oh, yes. Melanie is discovering what her body is like, and the quote that they use is, The truest instinct of my kind, I'd bound myself securely into the body's center of thought, twined myself inescapably into its every breath and reflex until it was no longer a separate entity. It was me. That's not what the song (laughs) Soul Meets Body is about, even a little bit. No. But then, now see, that's a good song, though. There's more here, though. There are some good songs on this list. Paper Cut. By Linkin Park. What? <laughs> her voice in my head was as clear as my own, spoken aloud. I shuddered in horror. Um, for Chris, for oh Chris, there is a song. He needs to read this book. Do number six, Al. Uh oh. Number six. Yes. Is uh, down in it by oh. Nine Inch Nails, and the associated passage is, I forced her to see it from my perspective, to see the threatening shapes inside my dirty, inside the dirty jeans and light cotton shirts, brown with dust. They might have been human, as she thought of the word, once, but at this moment they were something else. They were barbarians, monsters. They hung over us, slavering for blood. There was a death sentence in every pair of eyes. Oh my god. Okay, wait, what's the name of the song? <laughs> 
that down in it by Nine Inch Nails. They also have down with yeah down in it the hand that feeds. Can I tell you guys my absolute favorite one though? Please do. Die. The Ghost of You by My Chemical (laughs) Romance. Jared spit on the floor. That's not Melanie. She's never coming back, Jamie. Is the Ghost of You the one about his dad dying of cancer? No, that's the one that's like, um, at the top of my lungs and my arms, she died at the uh, end of the world. That's right. Oh, I can sing the whole song if you really want me to. No, I'm okay. <laughs> Are you sure? Yeah. But I'm, I appreciate I'm like that a vibe. Like, Let me get my guitar. <laughs> I'm not over the nine inch I've never played like, it before. What? I also did not know she did this until we started talking before we started recording that about I, the playlist. Like, <laughs> I knew it about Twilight. I honestly forgot. Although I know, I think El, you and I talked about it, like, when you finished the book. But I was on her website, and it was like, the host, here's some information. Which also has pictures of the desert and cactus, or cacti, which I... And then the playlist. And then the playlist, which I appreciate the pictures. I laughed. But then I was like, there are actually probably people in this world, like, you know, the UK, that have probably never actually seen a desert. Except for in pictures. And here's some more pictures for you to look at. So, There was also um, Rescued, which is one of my favorite songs by Jack's Mannequin. Okay. That's for when Ian's like, please don't give your body back to the person it belongs to. <laughs> Not Jared. I mean Melody in that yeah, context. No, I've, I knew what okay, you Okay, so meant. we got it. <laughs> the ownership that Jared. Fucking Jared. This and it's so painful because watching the movie, I really do think Max Irons is, like, super good looking. He plays Jared. And, and all the time he's just saying things where I'm like, you're such a fucking <laughs> You're 29 and she's 20 and you're talking about her like you went and bought her at a store. Yeah. The ownership in this. I do like that at one point Jeb is like, there is someone who has more of a claim than you, which is entirely fair. Like, family wins out over sexual relationships. Mm-hmm. Now I'm really debating if they actually had sex before she got taken. I'm assuming they did, but anyway, she was 20 by the time oh, she yeah. got taken. Very legal. Yeah, 20 or 21. 21. Um, There's also just I'm just continuing to go through this list, and it's like the last song by the All American Rejects oh is on God. here for chapter 58. Finished for when she's making out with Jared, and he's like pretending to be in love with her for like one moment. Wow. This is so. Oh wonderful. my god! I wish I had known about this while I was reading, so I could have played the back. Whoops! The background music. <laughs> oh, you know what else was in it that was actually really cool that I I actually enjoyed a lot. There was also an excerpt from the book from Melanie's point of view. Oh. And it's about Melanie immediately after she wakes up, and it's it's only like fifteen Kindle pages, which is like nothing. Um, and it was actually really interesting. It was about her after she wakes up and then coming to the resolve, like grappling with her feelings of guilt. So actually like what you said, Stephanie, at least according to Myers, she was not always machinating Mm. that in her mind. Like it was something that she came to decide afterwards due to like Mm -hmm. all of her guilt. And it was actually really interesting. It was a cool little bit. Nice. I'm sure it's out on the internet. It's like small and I'm guessing it was only published with like some special edition of the book. Yeah, I was about to say, I saw something about an extra chapter and was like, I don't know what this is about, and Wikipedia is not helping me, but that would make sense as to what it is. <laughs> yeah. So. Okay. Um, oh, this might be a difficult one. I feel like most of these are difficult nowadays, but as with every book, 
we have a book drink. It could be a drink that reminds you of the book, a drink you had while drinking the book. It can be the drink you're drinking with this podcast. It doesn't matter. I've thought about this, though. Okay, good. <laughs> so nobody can see me, but I'm holding up my uh, Coronita, <laughs> which is a mini Corona. They're great. They're seven ounces. I love them. Um, this book, if it were a drink, is a Corona. And let me specify. <laughs> okay. First of all, what's better on a beach than a shitty love triangle and a Corona? Literally nothing. <laughs> Fair point. You're laying on a beach. This is, like, the perfect time to read this book. Second, I love Coronas. I kind of love the host. I don't love Corona because I think it's good. <laughs> and I don't love Corona because I think it's complex. <laughs> I love Corona because when I drink it, it gets me drunk. And it's easy and it goes down easy. I like Stephanie Meyer novels because they work on me. They're first person. They're engaging. I can turn the pages really quick. They get me book drunk real easy. Like, it's... It's, like, such a perfect comparison for me. Both of them, if you spend too much time thinking about them, actually stink. <laughs> Fair. Literally, like, if you keep, like, corona in your mouth for too long, it kind of skunks a little bit. Like, <laughs> both of them have to be, like, just straight up, like, shots, and you just have to get through them really quick, and they're enjoyable. This may be I one of my this. favorite answers to this question ever. <laughs> It is very well so thought good. out. I appreciate it. Yes. Now, it's, does that Corona need to have a lime? Or Of, of course. <laughs> what would be the lime of this book? So, like, you know how, like, the lime really, like, makes the Corona good? Like, if this book was just the, like, love triangle, it would be Bud Light. Hey, I really like Bud Light. <laughs> but because it... Oh, oh, Stephanie. I like it more than Corona, actually. <laughs> I say drinking my mini Corona. <laughs> Next time you're on, I will be drinking a Bud Light. <laughs> Good. I'm glad. Bud Light lime oh, no, if you're no, feeling no, no, fancy. No, no, don't ruin it. <laughs> oh, you don't like the taste of Fruit Loop milk and beer together? No, that's, that's not something you're into? Me. No, oh. not, not usually. <laughs> I'm going to mail you guys both a Bud, Bud Light oh, Limerita, no. and that's what we're going to drink the next time I make you guys read a there bad book. There was a period of time where my husband and a friend who got married would al- would always get those. I think it was probably when they first came out, maybe, oh. and they would drink them. And I I tried a sip and was like, "Get away from me! <laughs> this is terrible." <laughs> All the different flavors. Ugh. I drank them in college. Ugh. I threw up strawberry oh, no. too many times oh. though to ever want to drink it again. I think I mixed it with Sprite, and that's how I could take oh. it. But that's that's how I was thinking I that what it beers. needed was more sugar. That's true. It is also way more sugar. <laughs> I mean, I may be thinking of just, like, regular beer. This was, like, a tennis thing that we did. We sat and watched the guys play drinking beer and Sprite, but I can't remember what kind of beer it was. <laughs> Hold on. We have to take a whole detour here. You put Sprite <laughs> in beer? It sounds... I want to say it was Blue Moon that we did it with. Ah! It sounds really gross. And I was yeah, like... it does. No, I'm really not doing gross, this. Meg. But then you actually try it, and you're like, well, that makes sense. I mean... And then you're drunk. Yes. And it's fine. That kind of also goes with that drink I brought up, I think it was last time, where it was, well, you know, there was vodka involved, but it was vodka, beer, and the lemon concentrate. That lemon Sprite beer thing. Well, again, yeah. Okay, I could see that. Well, okay, what is Sprite other than a lime, a carbonated limeade? True. So 
much sugar you is go what it is. with diet sprite. Come on. I was also like in my <laughs> early 20s. <laughs> Let's be honest. You're hurting me. This was back in a time where I did not give a shit what I drank. So. <laughs> yeah, and back when that was the thing, I just drank Fleischmann's gin all the time. <laughs> oh. Huh. Nothing says classy Saturday night like a plastic oh, bottle God. of gin. <laughs> a plastic oh. bottle of anything, though, because. I remember the plastic bo- bottles of vodka in college. Ugh. Crystal Ugh. Palace. Yeah. Kind of glad my drinking days are behind me. Because now I'm a little nauseous. <laughs> Nauseated? Yeah, I'm really upset that you used to put... Because, like, I like beer. I'm, like, a beer snob. So I'm really upset that you used to put Sprite and Blue Moon. So, Elle, what are you currently reading or what will you be reading next that's not for a podcast or anything? currently not reading anything because I've been really busy, but um, my next thing that I'm excited about is I read, uh, uh, I think her name is Saba Tahir. Yes! She has this thing called An Ember and the Ashes Quartet. I sort of powered through the first two books, so what I do is I buy books on Kindle and then I use my Audible credits, and if you have the right book on Kindle and the right book on Audible, they'll actually yeah transfer seamlessly so i'll read before bed and then i'll just put it on in my car when i go to work and stuff so it's, it's really cool it's how i read the host as well which by the way the audiobook of the host is actually pretty good it is um so i read the first two books number in the ashes and a torch against the night and the third one comes out in june so i'm pretty excited it's kind of roman slash she's a pakistani writer i believe I and so. she sort of blended roman mythology fantasy and persian mythology together to write this really interesting series um that's sort of about oppressors and militaristic oppression and things like that it's very good i like it a lot it's the third one called the reaper the reaper at the gates that's it okay it's very good i recommend it i like it a lot yeah i remember you reading the first one it's been on my list forever and i need to just take it down and and read it but yeah. I can't yeah, I can't good. explain how I pick books. <laughs> There's a uh, two girl love triangle which isn't like my favorite thing, but it's um well done and uh th- there's like two love triangles in it, but both of them are like well done and resolved in a good way. Okay. As long as they get resolved before the last book, I'm usually happy. Like let it be and yeah. go. So uh, Stephanie, what about you? What are you reading? Uh, well, I know I said last time I was listening to Gabrielle Union's autobiography, We're Gonna Need More Wine, while I was doing that cross-stitch yeah. project. So, obviously, I finished the cross-stitch project, but I had stopped listening to the book. I One day, I was just like, you know, I really want to, I'm going to put Mama Me on, because that's mostly going to be me just listening <laughs> to it. And then... After that ended, I didn't want to commit to another musical because I was like, I guess I could put on Rent. It's on Netflix. And then I was like, no, nah, I don't want to commit to that. So I ended up bouncing around Glee a lot. <laughs> like like the Britney okay. episode or the Whitney episode <laughs> or the Lady Gaga. Like, yeah. nice. So I didn't actually finish Gabrielle Union's autobiography. So that's back on the list at the, as the front runner. Um, okay. Although today, before we started recording, I was like, it's nice to just sit and play video games because I don't have to read anything because I'm done and the cross-stitch is done. <laughs> no, totally am 100% always in support of it, someone who's like, I have burned out from reading. It's time for a break. Yeah. But I'll get back I think hers. I'm about to take my fan fiction yeah. break for the year. Just Let me know fiction. what you find. I shall. <laughs> I haven't even decided what, like, 
where I'm gonna even start. But it'll be okay. Binge Riverdale season two, <laughs> and then get real into the Riverdale fanfic. There's also some good host fanfic, oh by the way. Oh shit. <laughs> Having to do with the other human uh, okay, groups. Okay, okay. Oh shit. Okay, that I can deal with. Yeah. Okay. okay. <laughs> uh, but yeah, oh, I geez. will definitely finish Gabrielle Union soon because I was liking it when I was listening to it. But yeah, she's, she's wonderful and just like fucking yeah. beautiful. Yes. The, that's and a... hasn't aged right. once. No. Not a day. Like she looks exactly the same as she did in um. Yep. Bring it on. That was like her first mm-hmm. big role. Her. Was bring it on before or after Ten Things I Hate About You? Um, oh, Ten Things yeah, I Hate About You. Yeah, that was first. first. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I highly recommend the uh, autobiography. Yeah. She talks about a lot of things that it's like, thank you for talking about how, like, maybe you didn't understand how your vagina worked when your period started. I truly appreciate <laughs> this. Thank you. That's so good. I gotta hear that. Yeah, yeah, no, I like, I'm sitting here, like, with it in my headphones as I'm walking the dog like crying from laughing and being like no seriously thank you because like our sex education in this country sucks yeah. so true that <laughs> what about you Megan what are you reading um I'm currently going through some of the advanced reader copies that I got recently that are terrible but the woman who wrote um the Devil Wears Prada put out it's technically the third book in the series but it's like the sequel to Devil Wears Prada in a way because it is based on the Emily character okay oh I heard about this yeah so I just got the art today and like the actual book comes out June 5th so I will be reading that this weekend probably once I finish the one I'm struggling with right now. I'm trying to find the name of it. It's something with Lululemons. I know that, but... Oh, When Life Gives You Lululemons. Yep, that's it. And uh, so, yeah, I'm really excited because a lot of people really hated the sequel. I never read the sequel. Um, that are turning around and saying that this is actually true to Devil Wears Prada. Oh. They really liked Devil Wears Prada. Okay. So, yes. So, Elle, thank you again for coming on. Yes, thank you. We had Thank it. you guys for reading this book. I'm sorry, it was way not as good as I remembered it being. No, it's it was interesting. <laughs> I didn't hate it as much as I expected to. Honestly, yes. the major factor That's is good. so fucking yes. long. Actually, on that note, with it being so long, I looked really quick on Audible. This book is 23 hours and five minutes. The other Boiling Girl yes. is 23 hours and four minutes, so it apparently is longer than the other <laughs> Boiling Girl. Oh my god. So this is officially the longest book we've ever done. I like that way of looking at yeah. it. I was like, that's the quickest way for me to tell. Oh Let's see what Audible says for length of time. Nope, I, I oh really appreciate that. God, that's so long. 23 hours of yeah. this. Stephen Earthcore was only 20 hours. It yeah. was... We've read a lot of long books, and I think my next one is also pretty long. <laughs> um, Elle, thank you again. We can't wait to yes. have you back on. Um, yeah, I'm really excited. This has been awesome. Before we talk about what we're doing next, what do you have to plug? I don't really have anything to plug. I was on an episode of Falling in Love Montage okay. um, about a month ago now, the beginning of McConaughey. We watched a movie we really didn't like. I think this is kind of going to be my thing. <laughs> yeah. Making my friends who have podcasts 
watch and do things they don't like. <laughs> Maybe that ties into something in the future that we can make happen. <laughs> yeah, that might be something. I don't want to plug that no, yet, yeah. but we'll see. Well, Stephanie, anything that you want to plug? Nope, not yet. Moving is taking precedence. <laughs> That's true. Okay. I cannot be grumpy about that. Full stressful. <laughs> I can imagine. We send good wishes Thank and, you. and all the luck because hopefully that goes smoothly. Yes, I will keep you updated. Mm-hmm. Yes, please do. Um, I actually do have something because we talked about it the other day of how we're finally to the point we can start talking about it. So I am going to join an Animorphs podcast. <laughs> And uh, amazing. I'm going to be reading the entire series again. It is going to be four of us. Three of us have read the series. And Tim, who was on a yeah. few episodes ago, thought we were going to be watching a cartoon. Oh, my God. So. <laughs> oh, my goodness. So, yeah. Amazing. So that oh is going to be so much oh, fun. I'm so excited for um, this. <laughs> The first episode will be out June 12th. Yeah, June 12th. Um, which is going to be in between. That's right, because I am alternating weeks with this podcast. That was done intentionally. So gotcha. <laughs> I had to think about that. But yes, so next, from when this is released, I don't remember. This will be released on the 3rd. Right. Sunday? Yeah, it's always on Sunday, yeah. So it'll be the 3rd. Yeah, so yeah, June 12th. Be a lot of fun. We have not recorded that episode yet, so who knows? This could crash and burn. <laughs> but no, I love those guys. So, um, as for this podcast, you can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram at JBC Podcast. The website is judgingbookcovers.com, which I promise I'll update at some point in life. Um, there, you can also join our Facebook group, which is a hand guide for judging fabulous retelling. Nope. Something's wrong there. Handbook? Fabulous retelling covers? Handbook. I thought it was a handbook for judging fabulous retellings. Cover. Wait. I don't remember. It's something like that. You know what? You know it's what? not like I'm not a part of the group and can't look up no, the You know what? You can go and look at the information on this episode. The link is there. <laughs> Come join us. It's fun to talk about. And uh, the June schedule will be posted soon. So, yeah. Um, next week, next week, next episode, it's just going to be you and me. Right. Forgot. <laughs> Which I had to look up because I was like, who do we have I coming up next? I knew we next? had one coming to... up, but I was like, I don't remember when it is. I have to look at the schedule to see what book I need to get next. Uh, so, next episode, we're going to read Children of Blood and Bone by Tomi Tomi a day Emmy. And if I hear otherwise, then you will know for next time. Um, which, so if you don't know about this book, it's like one of the hot new YA books of this year. And I really strongly suggest going to follow her on Twitter because like when she got the first copies of these books, like the video she posted is just like the most heartwarming and like, made me tear up while also laughing at just how her excitement is. It's just so much fun. So I am really, really looking forward to reading this book, despite the fact that it is another one that is very, very long. <laughs> but is it 23 hours so. and five minutes long? 
I don't <laughs> think it's that long. And is it 23 hours and five minutes of which 16 hours are a love right. No, no. It better not be. <laughs> no, thank God. I don't know if there is one or not. I'm going to cross my fingers for you guys. <laughs> <laughs> All I know is that it's it's magic and witches. Ooh. And I'm very excited. So, but yeah. Oh, one final time. Okay. Thank you again. Yes, thank you. Thank you, guys. A lot of fun. Um, um, join us again in two weeks, and don't forget to go support your local libraries. Thank you. Yay. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Bye.